Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I gotta tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win, including boosted same-game parlays for the upcoming NBA action after the football season. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive a special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's Bet $10, Win $200 offer. Just bet $10 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. And let's get after it. Bet 10, win 200 is not available in Michigan. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan... 1-800-270-7117. In New York, one eight seven seven eight hope ny Tennessee, show Chris and Macon will talk about Stanford Steve's most recent trip to Charlottesville for the UVA Duke basketball game then former Duke star JJ Redick comes on the show to talk about Zion Williamson and other things there's a draft there's an entertaining draft and Brian Windhorse senior writer at ESPN will come on to talk all things NBA and beyond including James Harrison. Chris will talk about his 400 yards of rolling and so much more. Here's the show. Is that you being Cowboy Reed? Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, well, we miss him here. Yeah, RIP. Well, he's the, like, let's not. Let's not. He's alive <laughs> and he's in fucking Colorado, which means he's very alive. That's Cowboy Reed's. That's, ca- that's where he's most alive. Yeah, that's his honey hole. That's his wheelhouse. I, 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 I made his wheelhouse a honey hole, but he's in Colorado. For how long? Honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> when Reed says I want to leave, I just say, go, man. He's here every hour of the week, and he hates taking time off. So, honestly, it'd probably be May before I'd be upset with him. Wow. I would miss him. Like, we're already missing him in the workflow, but it might be May until I get mad. Yeah. Like, our, our show could be canceled, and I just would be like, I'm not even going to bother him. Reed's our locker room guy. He's our glue guy. He is. You could have said hello to somewhere out in Colorado. That would have made sense. Instead, <laughs> Deltona, Florida. Hello. Which <clears throat> makes a lot of sense, right? <clears throat> You want to try to get one off, or are we just going to move past it? Hello! Overmodulated. Yeah, but pretty good. Hello! I really don't think I can because I I did do a a, a bit of yelling last... And a couple beers. Oh, I did about five pops with the fellas. Well, I didn't know you were going to disclose that you're... 
you were binge drinking. 6 a.m. Google.com. 6 a.m. gets on you pretty quick after five pops. Pacificos, though, you know, light beers. Yeah. Shout out, uh, Shout out Dirty the Rusty Valleys. Nail. Yeah. Hey, yeah. there is a Colorado connection, though, with Deltona, Florida. Oh, hit us. Home of Paxton Lynch, former Denver Broncos quarterback. Oh, wow. And did current, you do that on purpose? I did not. I did Random City Generator. Oh Deltona my God. popped up. And that's Reed's favorite player, one of them. And there was just a car race in Daytona where a car racer won the oh race. Oh, God. This is Hellception. And Paxton just got signed by uh, Michigan the, Panthers. The Michigan Jeff Fisher. Panthers. Jeff Fisher. The Maroon and Bile, Michigan Panthers. Holy shit. Wow. We had a hellception, man. Small world. It, we'll uh, never have small, one like we'll never have one like that again. Small town small town world. Small God, town. that feels like a long time ago. Are we Doesn't gonna do it? this? Like yeah. we're just gonna keep going the podcast, yeah. huh? Hey, layup line. Uh it's George Harrison's birthday. You're today, uh our tomorrow. I love George Harrison. If you love George Harrison, I get it. It's fucking easy to love. The most lovable Beatle, mm. followed by Ringo, mm. followed by Paul, and then off a cliff and down in a gorge 300 feet is John Lennon. A hitter. I don't want to turn George Harrison's birthday into an anti-John Lennon thing. But I love George Harrison. I love all things must pass. I want to live in a castle like him sometimes. That'd be good news for you, huh? Love castles. <laughs> Sell me on a castle. Okay. English countryside. Stone castle. You look out onto a verdant green. Verdant. That's such a real estate word. Uh, bucolic. bucolic. Is it bucolic? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to live in a, in a castle like George Harrison. Well-proportioned rooms, high ceilings gnomes in the yard no very little road noise at a castle fuck me this this road noise out here man this road noise we got we got to have a conversation about road noise more like carlettesville you took my joke bitch (laughs) that's my joke (laughs) you're such a motherfucker here it is i lost yeah we're okay we're go ahead I lost a bet to you one time, no idea what it was, but do you recall I had to put gnomes throughout my front yard? I just had to sit gnomes. And was like, that was because of FIFA? Pink flamingos, maybe it was. Yeah. So um, on the motherfucker topic, yes. the story, yes. this is good. This paints you in a really good light too, Matt, as like an HR guy. And it, and me, I mean, eventually you're going to get canceled for, for what I'm alleged allegedly doing here at the building so i just i get out in front of it this is my get out in front of it so matt is an incredibly important part of this podcast i need somebody to be honest with me when i'm being a fucking asshole i would like that from everybody but i understand um i'm pretty i'd tell you yeah yeah true so i was urging matt the other day to like tell me what i did wrong this week not that he was giving that vibe off but i just want to know and he was like, okay, well, here's one. This is the first one he's ever he's Boys. ever done. This is his like, he's like, and this one might bother you a little bit. And I was like, this is going to be good. Holy shit. He goes, well, the other day in meetings, uh, we had a staff meeting and you called us all motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> he said, and you can't, you just can't, you can't do that. <laughs> In a workplace, <laughs> at a meeting, 
And I sat here and I was like, motherfuckers got a point. You know what I mean? Like, I I came from a workplace where motherfucker is a term of endearment and like honestly the nicest bad thing you could be called. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I had a coach. I saw a coach tell a, a you know a young player that his mother should have swallowed him. Ooh. So, like, motherfucker is like, it's like getting handed a hundred dollar bill. So, honestly, I was just kind of like, man, I don't remember doing that, right? So I said to Matt, I was like, well, help me out because I don't really remember doing that. Was there a time like that I said it specifically? And I'm sure there were multiple, but Matt was like, yeah. I was like, well, let me hear it. He's like, well, you called us hardworking motherfuckers. <laughs> The, exa- said, the exact quote was, y'all motherfuckers are working your dicks off. <laughs> <laughs> he left the working the dicks off thing. I'm assuming everybody's gender. The dicks off is far more problematic than the motherfuckers. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, no problem. <laughs> that's, I complimented that's you, compliment. motherfuckers. Yeah. So, Matt, that was terrific. George Harrison is my favorite Beatle. And... um. You know, I, I, layup line is a way to get you guys charged up to listen to the pod. But you know, my maybe one of my favorite George Harrison songs is all is um, isn't it a pity? Off all things must pass, and it is a pity. There is a there is a war going on right now. Uh, you guys are reading all about it. You guys have the internet, but um, we're not going to get into it on this pod. And we're going to have a good time today and have a podcast. You know how you know the only way to get into political discourse? Not. Nope. What? Waiting. You wade, wade into. Yeah, we just waded in. And we're but we're in when we're and we're not going to I'm wade. waist deep and now I'm getting out of the pool. I'm getting out of the pool. We hate war. It's terrible. Everybody knows. Everybody agrees on that. And we're going to have there's just certain people that like Everything's got to stop today because something awful is going on around the world, which happened like there are awful things happening every day around the world. We're very lucky to be able to fuck around and do a podcast with heat and electricity and there's no war going on in the streets like we are just so fucking blessed. So I just want to say that like anytime we're on the microphone, there's something bad going on. It just so happens that right now everybody is watching this bad thing and it sucks. All right. I want to check on that heat. Yeah, you're right. But I thought we would let the people know that we have a new fine system here. Me and Macon have have uh, have reached a truce. Um, Didn't we agree not to discuss it on the pod? Was that an agreement? Tell me the truth. I thought it was wait and see. Oh, I, no, I, I definitely let's, voiced let's it. Let's see how this goes. Let's see how it goes. If okay. it goes bad, we'll cut it. Okay. Peek behind the curtain, guys. So I'm a hard guy to work with. Like every. True. Yeah, but so, so are you. Well, in this, and then and you see, you see, you got mind control over these motherfuckers, sir. In this context, yeah, 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 yeah. hard. I am hard to work with. Yes, true. Yes, vouch. But uh, maybe outside of the studio, maybe a little easier to work with. In yeah, other, yeah, in yeah. Other, but am I to work with? I've never w- worked with you. You've, really, you sold real estate for me. Yeah, but like that, that's I'm I'm. You're right. We've never been a coworker, but I also couldn't speak to how e- easy you are to work with. It redacted. And I don't really work with anybody, I guess, and which is guess I why he's submarining in, the segment. In part why he's submarining no, the segment. Not. It's in part why I picked. Maybe I just don't work well with others. You know, all I was doing was taking some accountability for my shortcomings, and here we have a three-minute sidebar. I'm not. I can be tough, dude. 
I want us to do well. I want us to do really well. I want this podcast to be really good. You guys, you guys, once you pick it up, we do have a responsibility to keep giving it to you. And you like us and you like listening to the podcast and it's fucking hard to produce. There's a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes. Reed, Taylor, Ralph, Brian, fucking John, Matt, Macon, myself, Dr. Fax, you know, when he's in, it's like, there's a lot of sausage being made, man. And we do a lot of content. So we do three shows during the fall a week. We're starting to do live streams or socials. All that takes work, energy, all that stuff. And we all chip in. And Dewey, Bratwurst, Chorizo. Yep. Longanizia. Gabagool. Gabagool. <laughs> but it's fucking stressful sometimes. And I'm the boss. And it's hard to be the boss of this thing, dude. It really fucking is. We're all learning to do this thing at once. Like nobody in here, ironically, did the exact job that they're doing now. Closest thing to that would be Taylor. Like, cause he knows YouTube and he knows like how to produce good videos. And like, he's in here learning new skills in the edit bay and stuff. But we're all doing like, Matt was a teacher. Macon's a real estate agent. I'm a football player, right? Yeah. Um, and everybody else is like kind of learning on the fly. Reed, this Reed didn't work in some big podcast before this. And he's crushing it. So there's just a lot of stress for me sometimes managing everybody. And I can be tough to work with. I'm not saying I'm like the devil, but I'm just taking accountability. Devil-like. No, dude. Be real. All I'm saying is I'm being accountable it for my... It a joke. <laughs> I mean, well, the, I, I'm not being mad. I'm just saying, like, be real, though. People at home might be like, he might really be Bill O'Reilly on the set. If it makes no, you no, feel no. better, I didn't even hear the motherfucker part. Like, that just went and... Well, he you've played a, football in college. used yeah, them I, to such a degree. Yeah. No, I've just, even hear I've just it heard that language. No, but, just, but honestly, like, I'm, I'm a bad texter, Okay. We do airing of grievances. I'm doing self-grievances. I'm a bad texter. I have a lot of different ideas. I want to go in different directions. Like, there's a lot of pressure on me to create. So sometimes I try a bunch of stupid shit. I'll forget about it. Reed might do research and be like, what the fuck was the point of that? There was one time where I tried to improve the podcast by writing an email. And because it was four paragraphs long, nobody fucking read it. <laughs> it was too long an email to read. Zero responses. And then come to find out zero reads. Dog, we ain't trying to read that much. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> hey, all right. So anyways, staying on track. Two best friends, guys that grew up together who are still tight. Everybody tells you if you get in doing something like this, it can fucking eat the friendship. It can threaten the friendship. It can challenge the friendship. And it can like be hard because two we, we know each other so fucking well. So we fight. Like we we are sometimes argue over text. Yep. <laughs> sometimes we fucking sit in here and bitch at each other. Sometimes we come in here to work and don't fucking talk to each other. Yep. Sometimes we have it out on the air. Yep. Sometimes we edit it out. Sometimes we don't edit it out. Because yeah. sometimes it's funny. But... It sucks when we're not getting along or going like we're, we're not in sync. Like we're not like firing on all cylinders because when we are, I think we're fucking pretty good. And when we're not, we're still pretty good. But I like ha coming to work with my friend and enjoying it. And I felt like s lately we've been fucking up and we haven't been communicating well enough both, both ways. So we've got this truce here. Uh-oh, who's this? Oh, donuts, donuts. Got our donuts. Donuts and cookies. Good, good. Donuts. They have limited donut supply, okay. though.
So we just got some donuts uh, to finish. Oh my God, those cookies are giant. This is a good time to get donuts. So we've been getting in these little fucking arguments and it makes work hard sometimes. And more, more than anything, you're just like, that's my buddy. I hate fucking, I hate feeling like me and my friend are less than perfect friends because work is fucking hard. So we need a truce and we came up with the, the terms here. Making you want to speak to it? Sure. I will be resigning effective immediately from the green light pod. <laughs> this is a good donut too, by the way. And aren't they great? Oh my God, this is the best donut I've, I've had in a long time. Seriously. All donuts. Well, no, no, no. Redacted. I really don't want that okay. place being a madhouse because oh, they sell bleep, out. Bleep it out. Yeah. God, these are good. Thank you. Yeah, right? So, facts, read. It'll be a revolving door. Matt in this seat right here. And uh, I, it's been a pleasure doing this for... Fuck, three years now? So you are resigning. <laughs> well, I was sitting there listening to you speak. Um, very, very, uh, very real and eloquently. And, I knew and, eloquently was coming. And um, though, yeah. even though you... So good, huh? That donut? Oh, my God. And though you said the word... I'm not, I'm not going to lead you wrong. I don't know why it came the word. It sounded like that when it came out of my mouth. And... Uh, 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 had I been listener, not knowing you, you were speaking of a truce. I thought maybe there were uh, big changes on the horizon when in reality there aren't, um, we've just agreed not to bring up a couple of topics. Um, you are not going to, um, make me feel bad by having another job. Yeah. Uh, a job that is, um, for better or worse, you know, number one, it comes first, right. you know, before faith, before family, before football, it's real estate. And then there's podcasts. Now, um, on occasion, you'll say, you know, it's hard, you know, this guy's got another job and, and I, I do try to, uh, accommodate the show as best I can. So you do a great job. Thank you. Him. You're going to say that, that those sorts of things less. And then when I'm in here, I'm not to bitch. You're on the fucking clock, motherfucker. I'm not to bitch about. <laughs> Being How here. <laughs> fucking long I have to sit here. Which, you guys are listening to an hour and a half podcast. We're here for seven, eight, nine hours at a Okay, at a fine. There's your first well, fine. Well, no, we haven't. We're, we're introducing the truce here. Okay, we haven't, well, we in, haven't in, shaken. In, in that case, you do that a lot of fucking joke. real estate. That was another joke. In that case, you do a lot of fucking real <laughs> estate. It's always doing real estate. How hard is it to sell a house? No, we're... <laughs> Fuck me. We'll bleep that. Septic? Where is it? <laughs> Huh? <laughs> Go ahead, man. So t tell the tell the rest of it. Uh, that is it. I'm I'm I'm. You gotta to, you gotta like yeah, appear to like doing the job, right? I even have to work my body language. I've been told. Well, not just by me. Let's have yeah yeah no room. no look, look around the room. Fair as fuck. I'm not even allowed to pack up quickly anymore. No, no, no. no, no, no I know we still lying. We should add lying. We gave you a provision for packing up quickly. We like we put. Packing up quickly is allowed in the so you can leave when right. we hold you right up to that. Once we hit the window to the walls, I can pack up quickly. I can get out. Can I even? No, I can't even bitch about how long it was because we've we're, no. We, but once you're done, like hey, if we're sitting at home having a beer, yeah, you know, like hey, goddamn, that was long today. So yeah, I mean, we'll work on the gray area stuff, but the basic, the two sides of the truce are. Number one, I don't make you feel bad for having two jobs. 
And listen, before the truth starts, it's amazing. That's how good you are. Like we produce a lot of content, real talk. We produce a lot of content, a ton of it, and we stretch your the limited time we have with you out like incredibly because you're so good at this. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that is very kind. Yeah, Thanks. and that's not a backhanded compliment. That's nothing. So like there's two sides of the coin. I have to not make you feel bad about having two jobs. You do both incredibly well. And then on the other side of it is when you come in here, there's no like, hey, listener, I've been in here too long. He's a bad boss. He's fucking maniacal. He's he punched a baby. Yeah. You know, that t- type of thing. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the rest of it, but the truce is basically that. Matt, how do you understand it? You want to t- put a bow on this? I feel like this has been a very cathartic experience for both of you. I feel like it's it's good. So bang the gavel, the, the terms are... As as they are, the twenty dollar fine each transgression. Twenty dollar fine if Chris makes Macon feel that he's that his other job is somehow infringing on the podcast, and a twenty dollar fine if Macon complains about the four hour podcast complaining window, either by voice or by body language. Yeah, and it should be noted, we don't podcast during uh, you know peak real estate hours. To any folks out there wanting to buy or sell homes or land in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And we do that for a reason, because here at Greenlight, we're great. We, we here for you. We here for you. Um, I also noted during the negotiation of the truce yeah. that I like being here and I like the podcast and I want it to succeed. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So isn't it a pity we break each other's hearts, cause each other pain? Let's stop doing that. Happy birthday, George. I'd like to note that it uh, is Tennessee Williams' death date. He died February the 25th in the year 1983. <laughs> He's a death date guy now, dude. He's in here Googling death dates. I'm like, oh, whose birthday is it? Dates? I don't know, but... Uh... He was born on your wife's birthday in 1911 in Columbus, Mississippi and really? died in New York City. Yeah, February oh. the 25th. Oh. He died on a uh, hot tin roof. I don't know if you knew that. It's a particularly hot day. He was up checking a leak, doing a little roofing. Okay, dude. All right. So, <laughs> as as Reed and Macon told you earlier, um, we have uh, it's a basketball heavy pod. Uh, it's it's. I think it's going to be easy. Listen, it, it's JJ Reddick. We really enjoyed talking to him. Um, obviously. Last night, Duke gave us an L. And then after that, we'll get to uh, Brian Windhorst. Talk about LeBron, some other stuff, some football. He was awesome. Yeah, both were. Both it's a good both show. Great. Yeah, it's a good show. It's an like, objectively good show. Um, tell you who's not awesome. Duke. His name is Stanford Steve Coughlin. Yeah. The, hey, you want to do ugly today? Yeah. Let's just do ugly. Ugly. So... Go into a game with a Duke fan and not knowing he was a fucking Duke fan. Dude. I told him this last night before the revelation, and I meant it sincerely. I was talking to my wife about about Steve and and who he is, and I said he's a really sweet guy, and I meant it. And then I come to find out that he's a a, a sociopath. And looking back, there were some signs. Like he texted us, "Hey, I'm not going to wear orange, but I'm not going to wear anything Duke." 
to which you didn't say a word. And in my head, I was like, okay, it's, it's I didn't fine. think about that. But I also know that Steve likes to go around the country and get like free gear from gear. everywhere. So maybe he's, yeah. Right. And so then we're, so I, we're not sitting together. I'm looking down. Kihei Clark's making three pointers all over the place. And you guys are like high-fiving. I didn't for one moment think Steve was coming down here to root against Virginia. It was a ruse, dude. It was a fucking ruse. He was he was playing us, dude. You get him near the court. Feet weren't on the floor. Holy shit. No. He used my guest house to see Duke play. Yeah. He stayed in my guest house to see Duke play. Yeah. So then we're at the bar after the game, and he goes, I knew it was our night when, when they came out in the Royal Blues. And my first thought was, you didn't think it was Duke's night when, when they trotted out six McDonald's All-Americans against zero? And I was like, wait, did you say our night? Our night. Goes, By the a, way, the And blue... he goes, I'm a Duke fan. He goes, ask anybody. Everybody knows I'm a Duke fan. Ask anybody. I've asked five people. Nobody then. knows. Nobody. Thought maybe you were a you at Stanford home. fan. If you knew that Stanford Steve was a Duke fan... Like, you have an alma mater. It's not like you go to Coppin State, who actually makes a tournament now and again, but it's not like you go to fucking University of Phoenix and you have to think of a, a, a new school to follow. Like, you have Stanford. You have a Pac-12 school, generally like a 7 or an 8 seed in the tournament. I mean, it, you got stuff to cheer about. Had he said, and he brought it up like six, nine months ago, Hey, I want to come down for the Duke game. Had he said, I, I, I love Duke, big Coach K fan, want to see one of his last games, yeah, I would, have said, I would have said, hey, we'll see you there yeah, at like, the bar after. Right, awesome. But I'm still happy he came down, though, honestly. He's nice to, my kids love him. I, I love they, Steve. I love Steve. I was watching Steve play Mario Kart with your kids yesterday. It was precious. Yeah, he's a pretty, he's a pretty like, uh, mag Wei, magnetic character when it comes to the kids. Way was giving it to him, though. Way's really good, dude. Way, Waylon's very good. I also went out with Steve and trashed Coach K for like 30 solid minutes and Steve didn't say a single word to me. This is incredible. Matt, <laughs> Matt took him out for a beer at the Virginian here in Charlottesville, which is on the main drag, as people call it. And they're having a beer in broad daylight, and Matt's having a beer with a Duke fan and, and complaining about Duke in front of his face, and he, I guess he wasn't playing back. Yeah, he just kind of like wasn't laughing at my Duke stuff, said he hated Carolina more. I don't get it, Steve. <laughs> and then, but then there were, there were more signs. Before we go to the bar, he's like, hey, I don't get the hate for Duke. And I was like, <laughs> "What? Are you the only? You're the only person on this planet it, to have said that." JJ Reddick only gets du the only, hate for Duke. Only Duke fans have ever said those words. And then I was like, uh, "Wait, hate for Duke generally, or our hate for Duke?" And he was like, "Your hate for Duke." But again, that was a sign that I just totally missed that he's a Duke Blue Devil. He he bleeds blue. I mean, we all do until until it's red. And I guess I, I, I won't get into the reasons for the for the hatred for Duke because they're self-evident. But I uh, color me shocked. I nothing Steve could do would, would make me not like Steve. But this was a, this was a close. Ruse. This was close. There was five minutes there. It was kind of dicey. Well, the night ended pretty quickly thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we all kind of went home. Talking <laughs> about breaking up the table. Yeah. Holy shit. We were having a really good time. We were starting our list of most hated Duke players. That was how it was going. Here were my notes from the night for the pod. And this tells you everything. Okay? Mascot, Mark Schlereth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, Everybody knows kid that. from Carolina a couple years ago. Luke May. Uh, high blue socks are bad. 
High, who's wearing those? Number the fucking lottery pick for Duke. He's wearing oh, high blue socks. Dan Carroll was. Yeah, didn't have a yeah. didn't have a good game. It was fugly, and um, and then I have fuck Stan fired Steve <laughs> in all caps. That's you at midnight. You took my notes app and made sure you had that one down. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, this was tough. We were at the bar in Stanford City. He was looking at the TV. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, well, I was looking at, he was looking at the TV, and I remember thinking, he's so focused in on this Coach K uh, inside interview on the TV. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking subtitles, nothing. Mm-hmm. And he's just staring at the TV in the corner of the bar. It's karaoke night. Like, there's so much to look at, and you're watching a Duke interview with no sound at 1 a.m., it makes perfect sense now. And he then just he goes, deifies him. Then he goes, sick. let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you. My whole family, they were UConn fans. And then I, I was a Duke fan. I got shit for it, but I liked Duke. That's not a fucking story. Not at all. You're a front runner. That's not a story at all. It's not a story. It's not a story. All right. So we got JJ, then Windhorse. I'll tell you about the rolling thing real quick in the bridge, but uh, yeah. Enjoy JJ. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I got great news for you. WinBet is now offering $200 in free bets for new users. That's right, 200 big ones. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't pass it up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. In New York, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789. We got JJ Reddick. Uh, we're taking our medicine. We lost to Duke last night. It was Coach K's, you know, it was a big Coach K jackoff session. You know, Tony Bennett, <laughs> Tony Bennett was all classy. He did a whole, you saw it. I was late. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, JJ, go find it. Um, I don't know that anybody else would be able to exude so much class. Definitely as, not uh, the ACC. As Tony Bennett talking about Mike Krzyzewski <laughs> last night. Before the anthem, right before the anthem, he took the mic and went on. 60 90 seconds yeah and we gave coach k a some bronzed jersey or something i did not applaud jj who are we as a as a basketball power like what do you think of virginia like give us the honest like somebody else take oh uh, tony bennett give him a lot of credit he's built an outstanding program there's a high level of consistency for a long time now it's very boring to watch and i i wouldn't if i was coming out of high school now because i always tell people this i wanted to go to uva yeah i grew up a duke fan duke was my dream school but i felt this sense of loyalty to uva so people ask me all the time like if you know tony bennett was there when you were there would you go and i would say fuck no man i'm trying to get shots up (laughs) you don't like 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 basketball people and shit You don't like hand-checking people. Hey, fun fact, JJ. This will be the first year since 2013 that Duke has finished above Virginia in the standings. So I guess you wouldn't have wanted to to win, you know, with Tony Bennett at the high. He won a lot. He won a lot. His, to be fair, I don't want to. Well, we're in an alternate universe right, now right. where Tony Bennett's at Virginia and right, JJ's you're right, you're in right. high school. Right. There was, a big, there was a big sort of debate on Twitter not too long ago. Um, I think it was after Duke beat Florida State talking about how 
Duke has not won the regular season ACC title outright since I think my senior year, since 06. Oh, wow. And obviously, obviously we've won some ACC tournament championships because it is the Duke Invitational. Mm. And then we've, we've, we've won a couple national championships as well. So again, I, I, a lot of people like to hang regular season banners. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Duke generally, you know, we're, we're trying for the postseason banner. So yeah. I don't want to be fair to him. This, this show is about Duke and we're going to do a little Duke draft in a couple minutes because like, I want to t- tip the cap to, um, to old man in the three, whenever I go on there, they have a nice fun draft exercise for me that I always hit out of the park. What was, <laughs> always what was, what was the fucking draft pick that you freaked out about the one time it was a movie or something i gotta go back and figure it out but tommy and 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 jj booed me off like the show it was incredible they have you on their uh, show and then they shit on you, they you generally generally the draft is a perfect time to shit on tommy because his draft picks are so horrible <laughs> <laughs> well i stole the shine from him that day so we'll do a duke draft in a couple minutes but you know in all seriousness with this coach k kind of farewell tour like, how tight are you with him? Do you get emotional watching any of this? Like, is there anything that's going to hit you? When do you think, like, you're really going to – it's going to sink in that we don't get Coach K anymore? It's a great question. First of all, I'm, I'm very close with him. I consider him a dear friend. There was this great moment. I went through the, the shit my sophomore year, and he was such an important part of my transformation as a human being, as a player, that year from the end of my sophomore year to the end of my junior year. And we lost to Michigan state in the sweet 16. And he called me up to the hotel room when we got back and he, we talked for 45 minutes or whatever. And just, I remember that moment so much because it was the moment where we became friends and he'll always be coached to me, but that was the moment when we became friends. And, and I, I text him quite a bit. We talk on the phone. Um, anytime I go see my family in Raleigh, I always stop by campus just to see him and, and speak with him for a little bit. Um, but look, I, in terms of the emotion, I'm I'm more happy for him. This is a guy who has given it. Hey, what people have to understand about coaches, I was around him for four years, and I've obviously spent a ton of time with him since then. The guy doesn't have bad days. And that's not to say he's perfect, but he's all in every day, all in on every team, all in with every player and that's his standard. And that's what he does. So for me, I'm like, great. Now the guy can go to Vegas. He can go to the private room at the wind and drink some wine. He can do his gardening. Uh, he's obviously going to be involved with the program in terms of fundraising, but I'm happy for him more than anything. And I'm, I'm happy that uh, classy schools like UVA are giving him his flowers and his last loss in Cameron, most likely probably that's pretty sick. <laughs> That's, That's a way of saying we're rooting yeah, for you we're against for Carolina. You. Is he a good texter? You guys text a lot. Like, is he is he a sporadic texter? Do you have to wait a while to get it back? Is he a punctuation guy? Oh, great texter. Great texter. Definitely knows what he's doing. He's got a, a burner IG account somewhere. I still haven't figured out what his, what his handle is. He has a burner. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he gotta, follows gotta keep tabs he, on those kids. Like, he follows all of us. Like, I'll, I'll post something about my children and an hour later, I'll get a text from him. Oh, so great to see the kids growing up. Yeah. Uh, you look so happy as a dad, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, he's he's great. I mean, he's, you know, his communication is is uh, second to none. JJ, please spell Shashevsky. That's good. Uh, Krasizewski. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's good right. too. That'll work. Right. That'll play. K-R-Z-Y-Z. <laughs> so has he? So he's, he has he changed a lot? Like over? I mean, I'm sure he's changed a bunch, but I think being a coach now. 
it's almost harder than it was. It's definitely harder than it was because of some of the things you mentioned, like, you know, 24 hour news cycle, kids are like celebrities. Now you have yeah. Instagram, you have social media. Like, how do you think he would have done in 2000 with all this? Has he adapted, you know, since you oh, played yeah. for, you oh, know, to 100, that's a great question. 100% he's adapted. And I, I would say, I would say this about him. He, his greatest strength is probably his adaptability. Mm -hmm. And he, views every team in a very different way. And he tries to maximize the strengths of that team. And because he got to coach the pros in the Olympics, I think that scratched that itch a little bit, but certainly in this one and done era, he has had to adapt. And, and if you look at pretty much every team since that 2010 team, the best players have been freshmen. Um, you know, he kind of went all in on this and said, this is how I have to build great teams at Duke is by going out and recruiting these guys that may not be here after a year. The one in that era, by the way, is completely hurt college basketball. And, and part of the reason is when guys, guys could come out of high school, if you, could, if you want to go out of high school, or if you were ready to go out, go to high school straight to the NBA, you just do it. You just do it. And you knew the risk involved, but if you were good enough, you would do it. Now I feel like Guys are getting, especially with this social media age and becoming celebrities so young, guys are getting just bad advice. And so if you're a top player and you go to college for a year, there's an expectation, almost an obligation to then leave after your freshman year, even though you're not ready. Whereas pre one and done, if a guy wasn't ready, a lot of times he'd stick around for one more year, even right. two more years. Right. And then he'd get to the point where he was ready. So I think the development of, of younger players has really been hurt. And that has hurt college basketball. And it's also probably hard to like put a, like a culture and kind of a system oh. in, in place because you're having to cater to really talented, awesome players who are going to bolt in a year. And the, that's like a, a carousel for some schools, I'm sure, because you get you know, one, you know, centerpiece guy and he's gone and next and next, like there's something college football doesn't have to deal with as much. Yeah, no question. No question. Continuity is so important in team sports. I really believe that. And, and part of continuity is having guys that are culture drivers. Uh, Pop used that word to talk about Patty Mills one time. And I thought that was so appropriate. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lesson and a standard that when I was there, the upperclassmen would teach us and then we would pass down to the younger guys. And it's really hard to do that because again, you're, t you're talking the, the guys that are upperclassmen are not the best players. No, they're not the best players. Yeah, not so they, they're not th those, those seniors at Duke. Now they didn't go through what I went through. They don't have the perspective that I had as a senior that I could then share with the younger guys. So it, that continuity of cultures is really hard to establish. And, and, you know, UVA again, they don't have, great players so you know they they are able to do that because they, <laughs> hey clark i mean last I'm night in the kidding, first man. half asshole I'm hey you know what kidding. though but it's I'm true that's kidding. a compliment no honestly no. like it's funny because he was trying to do a thing but we're sitting here like yeah no i know it's true it's we, great we we beat you with our zero no but like honestly i don't think of our team as now we've churned out some really good pros over the past couple oh, years which 100%. is kind of it but yeah. you know like we don't have those flashy like damn like i look at number five last night for you guys and I'm like, holy fuck, who is this guy? He, looks, know, like he, looks, like he, he <laughs> looks like he could be, Paolo looks like he could be a five-year NBA bet with his body. But with an 18-year-old face. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's just crazy. So, yeah, I mean, like, what what's that culture like in Duke? What's the hardest thing about when you were there 
the thing that, okay, going to Duke, there's a cost to going to Duke, right? Like, you can't just go to Duke and enjoy winning. It's like when I went to New England, there's things you have to do differently there. There are sacrifices you have to make. What are the sacrifices that Duke players have to make that others don't? Like, what were the, if you talk to your buddies in the AC, like, we do this over here. You know, like, we have this role. Right. What are Coach K's culture quirks? Well, when I was there, they were very different than now yeah um like i could we could we weren't allowed to have facial hair unless it was a mustache which, yeah. which, which i always found weird you could have a mustache but you couldn't have a beard <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> did anybody uh, take him up on the mustache i think i think sheldon yeah. would have i'm would saying have white guys hey white guys right you should not, rock the mustache I know. can you grow one what you know, as much as people hated me, as much as people got on me, what a lost opportunity by Such not growing out my mustache. Oh, what that would have been. Are bad. you aware? Are you aware of that, dude? Like we were just talking about this offline. I was like, complimentary. Obviously, I know you and I know what a great guy you are. Now people with the podcast are like, oh, he's not the devil. Um, but for a long time, you were like fucking public enemy number one for a lot of people. I never in my life at 18 would have been like, hey, one day you'll be friends with JJ Reddick and really like the guy. Like, how have you gone about making people not hate you, JJ? Uh, oh, man. You know, that's a great dude. I, I think I've just been myself. It's not, it's not an intentional thing. You have to understand, I got to Duke. I'm 18, 19. I don't have a healthy ego structure. I didn't know what my identity was. I wasn't, I was so introverted as a child and as a teenager and my entire life, I wanted to go play at Duke and I get to Duke and I'm like, Oh, Oh, this is what I signed up for. Yeah. You know, this is hard yeah. day to day. Being a Duke basketball player was hard. It felt like a fishbowl on top of that. There was all the animosity that came towards me. Now I was competitive. And I was, a, well, I still am a little bit of a dick. So for me, I just was like, embrace it. Let's just live it. And that made it worse. And I was telling this to somebody the other day. It wasn't just that people would get on me. I knew which of my teammates when we were on the road weren't as mentally tough as other teammates. So if I heard something, if I heard something directed at them, I would try to redirect it towards me, yeah. whether it was warmups at the free throw line. I was always just antagonizing people yeah. and they would antagonize me back. So it was a, a little bit of a vicious cycle. I, I didn't really feel comfortable in my own skin until I was 24 or 25. Uh, that's just the truth. And that required years of therapy yeah. <laughs> um, and just natural, just natural maturation. Again, it's, it's just, you, you, you just eventually get to the point where you are who you are. And it's the same thing on the podcast, or I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody about going on ESPN in anything we do in life, we can never predict someone's response. But if you are attempting to be authentic and genuine and at times empathetic and at times compassionate, it's a pretty good way to live life. Yeah. I I've said some things recently on ESPN. I know there's always going to be people that disagree with me and, and, yeah. you know, come, come after me. That's so I'm okay with it. That's fine. You're entitled to that, but I am who I am. And if I say something, I believe it. I'm not trying, I'm not going out there to get clicks. I do a first take segment with Stephen A. I'm not trying to get clicks. I don't need clicks. No, that was, magic. Need clicks? But that was magic the first time I saw you on there with Stephen A. Smith. And I was like, yes, that's just JJ being JJ. It's somebody on that show not being performative and just like arguing a point out like we were all sitting here. And I think, yeah, the authenticity matters, but also you're not a fucking square, which is how everybody always imagined Duke players. <laughs> Although I know that like 
you know, like the school isn't always a necessarily like a you know a mirror image of the players or type of guys that are that are going to go there. So congratulations on you not being hated at almost forty years old. Like you have come a long way, dude. I just yeah, and I, and I think it's legit. It was you said not comfortable in your own skin, JJ. When you got to Duke, what was the first worst ass chewing you got from Coach K, or like the worst one that you can remember? And how did you guys respond to those? Coach knows how to push people's buttons. And each guy was very different. So a guy like Shablik Randolph got a lot of, a lot of ass chewings. He got, he got yelled at. There were some things said at times that were very motivational in a, in, I would describe as like a negative way. So a guy like that with me, he called me a name one time. It was a halftime of a Georgetown game. It was my 10th or 11th game there. It was a home game in Cameron. I had a terrible first half and he called me a name. And he yelled, yelled at me, you're being a, you know, and I was like, oh, okay. And I went out and I killed in the second half, but generally speaking, he would take a different approach with me. Like, I'll give you an example. After my sophomore year, we lose to UConn in the final four that whole season. I acted like a frat kid the whole season. I was not committed. I was out of shape. And we had a series of meetings in April after the season, I had to meet him at his office every morning at 8 AM. And one time in one of those meetings, he said to me, we didn't win a national championship because you weren't worthy of being a champion. That's one of the meanest things that anyone's ever said. God to me. damn, that, cut, that cuts like a knife. <laughs> it, it cut me so deep. It cut me so Trainer. deep. And I was like, I'm not going to I'm not going to let anybody say that about my level of commitment ever again. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. You got to know how to push people's buttons. All great coaches know especially with football, there's 53 guys. Everybody's so different. And like, not everybody has the same clout. Not everybody gets coached the same. And like really masterful motivators and leaders know what to pull out of people and how to pull it out. You can't just go around yelling at everybody or glad handing everybody. What Uh, was the first letter of the name? What was the name? Was it M? P. P. Coach K. (laughs) A pink boy. Uh... (laughs) Son of a pink boy, a parrot. <laughs> All right, yeah. this is a good time. To, to, your uh, po- to your point, Chris, though, I know that you were a leader in your locker rooms as well, allegedly. But th- th- this was a—I mean, this was a lesson. I, I've learned a ton of things. We, yeah. we had this whole discussion on a group text with former players the other day. We were talking about coach and the impact he's had on our lives now 20 years, some of these guys on the text, 30 years, 40 years since they played. And it's like, there isn't really a day that goes by that I don't think about coach or something that I learned from coach uh, doesn't get acted out in my life. And, and one of the things I learned from him as I watched him coach and I watched him uh, be a leader was that notion of you have to treat each guy individually. And I didn't fully comprehend it at Duke. And it wasn't until I got in an NBA locker room and I realized that once players have more power, you have to go about things different ways. So my conversations with Jimmy Butler were very different than my conversations with TJ McConnell. No question. Like TJ, TJ McConnell, I could get at because I it was different. So I could get after TJ in front of the team. We could we could argue in a huddle and we would go get wine after. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy and me, it, it was always private conversations. And, and so I, I learned that at Duke, and it, it helped me so much in my career just navigating locker rooms. No question. There's really something to that. And as a leader on a team, you got to know the hot spots, and yeah. you got to know who can't take it 
who can. It's not that Jimmy couldn't take it. No, it but he's an, about, he's an alpha. He's an alpha. He's an alpha, and you, I wasn't and you need the, him. Yeah. You need him. Yeah. Like, yes. I need yeah, the Jimmy best. can take it. I want to be clear. Jimmy can take this it. shit, obviously. But I, I, I mean more about I, there. there's there's Jimmy and I's relationship, which I always knew was going to be fine, yeah. but it was the perception of whatever happened after the fact, you know, if you know this, if there's a, if there's a argument on the, on the bench, if there's an argument in the locker room on the plane, whatever it may be, and those things happen all the time in professional sports. There's an after effect to that. There's a perception of that. And so I was just always conscientious of that. And I didn't mean to, I, you know, no, uh, no, no. I didn't. I'm having Jim, Jimmy and I are on the pod. We're doing the pod with Jimmy. Listen, tonight. we Jimmy. know you love yeah. Jimmy. Like yeah. this is a thing. So I was taking a hard left turn and saying there are some vets even who are sensitive. Jimmy Butler's the last person in my mind that I would think <laughs> yeah, would be yeah. sensitive. I think like his mental makeup seems like a one. But yeah. it's like you also don't want to show up an alpha. Like he deserves. It's not to say T.J. McConnell doesn't deserve that respect, but T.J. McConnell knows his role. You know, like as somebody on the outside looking in, if I were to compare this to a football locker room. He knows his role yeah. as a guy who like, hey, at times like it's it's gonna get messy and you gotta be the let the water roll off your back like a duck guy. You can't be demanding a yeah. private meeting to air shit out. Jimmy Butler is an absolute dog. I could imagine those conversations being awesome. So I love him. I love him so much. I love how he I just I love how he goes about shit and how he competes and how tough he is. I I, I love Jimmy. And, yeah. and TJ and I to you know, the point with TJ is he like, hates TJ. That's why you don't in public. No, TJ's my. <laughs> we joke all the time. My my line to TJ all the time is, "Man, you're like the little brother I never had." Yeah. Ex- except I have a little brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know? exactly, it's like exactly. TJ is like my little brother. That's um, awesome. So we had that sort of relationship. Well, I am curious got, about one thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 From the headlines and the headline in particular, which I'm sure you're not thrilled about, because the words don't quite match it. But Zion Williamson ripped. By former teammate. That's the risk of now JJ doing it. Mean, it's crazy. You go on TV, they will fucking twist your shit around a lot. I mean, I, I went through this with Carson a lot. People were, you know, Carson Wentz. Everybody's attacking him. Like, there are things that I could say about Carson that are not positive. But there's also a lot of positive I have to say about Carson. And and a couple times, I you know, my Carson stuff got pulled out of context. What what do you say about Zion? Like, just holistically as a teammate. I know they took the, hey, he's detached. But what else? I'm glad you brought up that headline because a lot of the headlines, I, I saw the ESPN one and I'm assuming a lot of the headlines on the aggregate sites were very similar. What I appreciated about the ESPN article, because I do, I'm on, I work for ESPN, I'm on ESPN five times a day. Yeah. What I appreciated about it was that they included pretty much all of my quotes, which I felt were reasonable. The feedback from most people has been reasonable to that. And I want to be clear, and, and I, I did a podcast yesterday, and I, I got asked about it. I'll, I'll say this again to you guys. This is not something that I just randomly said on air about Zion Williamson. This was something that I have talked to him about previously. In fact, yeah. one time I had talked to him about this in front of the team. Right. So this was something that I had dressed, addressed with him. Yes, I could have texted him after I saw that thing with CJ. I don't know that he would have texted me back anyway. <laughs> That's kind of uh, case in point there. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm just like, uh, but but I'm <laughs> my, but I'm root, I'm I am rooting for the guy. I think we yeah. all are. Yeah. We all, as basketball fans, as sports fans, we want to see greatness, and there is greatness in Zion Williamson. There's things he can do on a basketball court that literally no one else could do. Right. But to get to that point, and this is goes for any any player, and especially talented players like him, the guys that are super elite. There has to be that commitment to your body, your work, your teammates. And that was that was the quote I think that got lost to me was 
when you are a professional athlete in a team sport, you have to be fully invested. And what fully invested means is you're fully invested in your body, you're fully invested in your work, and you're fully invested in your teammates. That is all part of the job description. And, and that's a lesson for anybody. That's a lesson for anybody. Especially on a small team. You know, like in the NBA, it's a tight-knit group, so I would imagine that interpersonal dynamic is very important. There are guys in the NFL who, like, you know, again, to bring something back to Carson, because that's juicy, and we got Philly people probably listening, like, there were some maybe detachment issues there, like, socially, but you can get by a little bit more because of the size of the locker room, so, like, you know, people exist in different corners of that thing, but I can imagine in the NBA... It's like very, hey, we got to be, we got to be tight. The group text has to be popping. We have to be sitting together on the plane. We got to play cards. We got to go out to dinner. Like, and yeah, when CJ McCollum is joining your team, somebody like that, the caliber of that player and that transaction, you got to reach out. Like you're the future, you're the guy. So I thought it was reasonable. And also like what you just said is important. Whenever I criticize somebody on this podcast for the millions of people that listen to this thing, I... I have to have been willing to or have have had said that, that to a teammate, if I'm talking about right. a teammate. Like, I am totally willing to say whatever I say on this podcast to somebody face-to-face, and probably I already have. So I think that's a dynamic that people lose. It's not like, you know, like guys are just airing shit out. Right. I mean, and, and too, it's like the wording, the wording, too, because I think the implication there was that he's a bad teammate. He wasn't a bad teammate when I was there and I'm assuming he's not a bad teammate. Now the word I used was detached. And you just used that word with Carson as well. Exactly. And I can, I can describe there are times when I felt like he was detached as teammate. And I, this is not to knock football or any other team sport. Maybe soccer is the most comparable to basketball. But if we look at the major team sports, baseball is an individual sport masquerading as a team sport. Foot, football players have a very specific job to do. Yeah. If you don't do that very specific thing on a given play, you will be called out in film. If you don't do it again, you're fucking losing your job. Yeah. That is a fact. In basketball, the interpersonal stuff matters so much. There's five guys. We're not taking turns, taking shots. There's five guys, one ball. You have to rely on your teammates on both ends of the floor so much. So the communication, the chemistry, the respect, the cooperation, it matters more. I, I believe this. It, not to say it doesn't matter in football. You know, chemistry doesn't matter in football. But it matters more in basketball than any other sport. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle because you think of it as this like, hey, fuck it, roll the ball out there and play thing. You got uh, 80-something games, this long season I mean, it's a, probably a tight-knit locker room. I was wondering, I was a great locker room guy in my time in the NFL. I was wondering if I could be a locker room guy in the NBA, how many boards a game you think I could pull down? <laughs> Over under three, if you give me 40 minutes a game. 40 minutes? Yeah, 40. Over, I would hope. Really? 40 minutes Just a game. Just chase a couple loose balls yeah. down? Yeah. I, and I would definitely be fun on the team playing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. To the detriment of the team. That's that's honestly what I miss the most. Team plane. It's just nah, it's just like yeah, just the team stuff. Well, y'all you know? had nice planes, man, and you there land, were fucking five people. You land, in a, you land in a city. Yeah. You, you get a group to, and everybody has their own shit. Maybe you got family in a town. Yeah. You know, you, you I, I would try to organize dinners, and 
you know, we, we, we did this a lot with the, the magic Clippers. I did it with the Sixers and the Pelicans. Like you order guys, see the team dinners and you never expect 15 guys to show up. Like, it's just not possible. You know, guys have prior obligations or whatever, but you get seven or eight guys together, 10 guys together, whatever. I miss that. I miss the bus rides. I miss the team planes. I miss the locker room after a big win on the road. I miss the card games a lot. I yeah. miss the card games a lot. I miss, I miss watching the card games. I didn't play Blu-ray <laughs> on the plane or anything, but yeah. like watching guys lose a bunch of money, it's 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 a great voyeuristic thing, dude. I'm, I'm backtracking under. You're a short 6'3". Yeah, my arms are kind of short. Yeah, okay. NBA game under. Yeah, but my fucking war... And your purr. Oh my and my purr, bro. All right. Well, that's good. We're getting technical. <laughs> you couldn't take that. All right. So, fuck it. I miss that stuff, too, though, JJ. But when we went on the road, nobody gave us any fucking time. We had curfews. We I had to go. It was different. So, what I miss is, like, the hotel ballroom. That's fucking lame. But we would all sit around and watch games Saturday nights. There'd be college football on. We'd eat junk food because we know we're going to burn it off the next day. You know, I'm, I'm stoned out of my mind on gummies. Like, who knows how many edibles are floating around that that hotel ballroom but guys are just having a great time getting ready to get the best night's sleep of the week so i miss that stuff too all right let's do this duke draft i described this to jj his pod him and tommy shout out old man and three is it's great and every time i come on we they do a draft uh they do a draft all the time uh and we're gonna do it a little bit differently because i don't want to copy them but here's the exercise five duke players that we think were perfect fits for duke Five non-Duke players. That, yeah, non-Duke players. So maybe for JJ, it'd be like guys that he's like, man, that guy would have been, I played with him in the pros, he would have been a, a great Duke player. You go through your starting five. We don't even need positions. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm my, my starting five I is, got very, positions. is very guard heavy. Okay, good. Very guard heavy. So first, I'd say CP. And part of the reason is because I hated him so much in college. I hated playing against him so much in yeah. college. And I wish he was on our team. Yes. Like, you think that guy where you're like, man, I fucking hate that dude. But I respect and then you him. Beca- and then you become teammates with him yeah. and you're like, oh, this guy's the best. Is he great? And, he's great. Yeah, huh? he's the best, dude. He's the best. And I, yeah, that, that'd be a guy where I was like, man, I wish I could have played a few he's years. Like the a head couple of years union. of college. He's the head of the, the players union? He was. He's he was. CJ McCollum is now. Okay, so that's a dookie kind of thing to be the head of um, the another Another teammate that I just think is like the perfect Duke guy, one of the greatest human beings that I've ever met in my life, and that's Drew Holiday. Just a perfect, just a Duke guy. Yeah. He's a Duke guy. Yeah. Um, and then I think about Cameron Indoor Stadium. Like I always thought Dwight's not on my list, but I, I remember being in college and watching Dwight in the NBA and being like, oh man, I heard he kind of wanted to go to Duke or the Duke was recruiting him. Could Did you really? imagine Cameron? Could you imagine Cameron with Dwight? And I got to see that a little bit when Zion was there because Z- Zion's athletic, it's just otherworldly. And so watching that, I was like, okay, I get it. But, but so the two guys that I think of like highlights in Cameron are Ja Morant yeah. and Steph Curry. Too like, cool. Too cool. Both too cool. Steph. No, no. Ja, I disagree. John, ja, so Steph is no looking threes. Coach K wouldn't have fucking had that. He would have been like, you look your threes in the back. You look your fucking threes into the basket, you P word. <laughs> Steph, Steph is Steph would be perfect because I remember when I was at Duke early on. That was when uh, Peja was awesome for the Kings. Yeah. And Peja was one of the first guys who was chucking threes in transition. And coach, we would coach used to show me film and be like, this is what I want you to do. He knew that was like empowering me. And my first practice as a pro in training camp, we do that three on two, two on one drill to start yeah. practice. And so if you're back on defense, one of the two guys, then you go 
two on one with the guy who shot. And I'm so I'm doing drill. the, I'm doing the drill. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing that drill. And Carlos, uh, Arroyo gets the ball. He dribbles up the court. I run down the right wing. He kicks it to me. I shoot the three swish coach stops practice. <laughs> it's like, oh. we run for fucking layups in transition. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's I'm like, that. I'm like, that is my fucking layup. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's um, fucking good. And then my fifth guy, I think just, this is like a Duke guy to me. Like I imagine this guy staying for years, being a Duke cult legend. And he's also one of my favorite players. So I'm biased here, but Fred Van Vliet, I oh. fucking love that guy. I think he is a Duke guy. Absolutely. Wait. So this is interesting. You said Dwight Howard was close. How many like really good one and done guys or like, all-star type guys were this close like would Dwight be the number one or was there somebody else that we might not know about that was really close to going Duke uh, I mean I, I had heard Kobe I, I you know Kobe was probably the, the the main guy that I'd heard Dwight I know had been recruited by them I don't know man I that's probably that's, that's a probably good list. the two guys that's yeah. a good team I, I okay I'll go okay Dolph Shays uh he's if you don't know about him he was a stretch four before they had stretch fours uh he, he played 15 years with the sixers one of the, the 75 best he's one of the 75 best all time. of all time yeah. he also Allegedly. played the entire year with his left hand soft cast on his right arm did you ever do that jj have you ever played with a soft cast on your no. arm okay Dolph shays was tough man he was tough <laughs> what a compliment He's a good locker room guy, I heard, too. All right, so that's Dolph Shays going to be my stretch for him. Uh, all right, to your listeners, I just want to be very clear on this. I know why you said Dolph Shays. I know you <laughs> This is a recurring like bit. Shays. This is a recurring bit on the old bit. man in the three. Okay, this is good. I don't think Dolph Shays should have been on the top 75 list. All right, he should, he should be a Duke guy. Um, all right, give me Mao Zedong at, my, at the five. Uh I'll take Kevin Herter at the three. <laughs> oh my god! All right, uh, the Zodiac Killer at point guard. He's rangy. Uh, who? Zodiac Killer. Oh my god! At point guard, uh, and then <laughs> I, I guess at two, I'll go Lee Harvey Oswald. You figure it out, but. Just all Duke kind of guys to me that would just fit the mold of what you guys are about there. That's good. That's oh my good. god! Do you have five? Yeah, sick. I took it a bit. I took it a bit more seriously than I oh, thought you did. we were. Okay. I thought we were picking basketball players. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, you did form a basketball team. Do you, you don't credit. think Zodiac Killer or Lee Harvey Oswald ever played a game oh of ping? Oh my god! Oh my god! So. <laughs> As JJ said, I picked guys who were who were Duke fits. I could see them there four years, buying into the culture, yes. becoming Duke legends. Here I go. <laughs> Kim Jong Un. <laughs> Kim Jong Il. Okay. Good chemistry there. Saddam Hussein. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> Joseph Stalin. Don't say it. Pat Connaughton. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they would. Oh, oh man. Wow. They'd, they'd 
killer. What, what Who won the draft, bro? <laughs> what an exercise. <laughs> what did he expect? But honestly, here was the thing. I texted him 10 minutes before. He's such a great guest. He was just on family vacation. He's one of the best guys I know. And he comes on the show 10 minutes before I say, hey, think of these five fucking Duke players. He gives us a really good bit yeah. on. I'm like thoughtful. really interested really in thoughtful. it. Really thoughtful. Really and then thoughtful. we And then we go and win the draft. <laughs> so, so, um, shout out to, shout out to Dolph Shays. Oh, um, hey. Oh, yeah. There's your guy. Oh, man. There That's he is. That's my guy. There he That's is. My guy. Stretch four. Stretch Armstrong. All right. JJ Reddick, man. Oh, man. The three, one of our favorites. Uh, and hey, you got this one, bro. You got this one. You know, for one night, Duke is better than Virginia. Our favorite Dookie of all time. Definitely my favorite Dookie of all time, bro. Appreciate it, guys. Thad Lewis, shout out. Yeah. All right, JJ. Take it easy, buddy. Take it easy. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs faster. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, that was sportsmanship by us. Tom Ezzo, you see that? Yeah, Tom, Tom could learn a thing or two. No, Tom, Tom's Mr. Sportsmanship. You see how dramatic he was, and he's one of the, the, the best, right? Like, I don't want to ever say that I don't like a Tom Ezzo take, but on this one, I'm... I, Can you remind me of the take, please? There are suggestions, silly as they may be, that we should do away with the handshake line now. Oh, my God. Have you heard that? Oh, my God, I have. And I do got to comment on that since that's not insulting to anybody. That, to me, would be the biggest farce, joke, ridiculous nature of anything I've ever heard of. We've already taught these poor 18-year-olds that when, when... you know, you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. We've already told these kids, if you're not happy, you can do something else. We've already told these kids that it's hard to hold them accountable. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line on somebody who's kicked your butt and have enough class to shake their hand is utterly ridiculous. It was that he he was really up in arms about Jay Billis and others saying cancel the handshake line. Oh, Tom's right on this one. The other day you said you were okay with, did you? No. Say, no, you've always been team handshake the, line. Let's, the let's the NBA out, point, yeah. the head coach point, I can't stand. I would say this Tom Izzo who said, you know, like, 
how do these kids learn character essentially like the first half of his diatribe was these kids can't even go to class and do all this stuff and first off i'm like sounds like you got some shitty kids on your team like you know what i mean like being honest the way it sounded the first couple seconds was that like maybe his idea of like the college athlete i think i think a lot of college athletes most of them and he was saying that you know like it's so important to the sport and i would just ask tom izzo like does he watch college football does he watch pro football does he watch baseball does he watch like college basketball seems like the only thing that we do that anymore for hockey they're real hardo on that right because they do the coolest thing in the world after what are you game. talking about football all come together yeah we come together but it's not some organized line like i don't have to stand in line and like it's not like mandatory so unless i'm missing something i think college basketball is one of the few sports and tennis levels. always a handshake yeah, but you know, I, golf on the 18th green always a handshake. Those are individual sports. The what mass do do? gathering. What are we doing soccer? Oh, the soccer club. And then we take our shirts off. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 thirst trappy stuff that mm -hmm. they do over there. Yeah. I I just man, I think all those other sports get by just fine without it. I really do. It feels like little league to me. Like just not necessary. Yeah, I would seek out people. I always did that my whole career. I never had to to go shake anybody's hand. I don't. I think maybe less than ten games of my career, I just walked to the fucking hot locker room, and that's not that many. Where I, I don't, come from, I don't agree with you guys. I'll give you an example. Yeah, it came last night. Um, I'm 35 years old, and I I booed a an aging man as he walked from the portal and onto the basketball court. And Coach K, and then Coach Bennett gets on the mic as we've discussed with JJ yeah, and uh, says all these nice things about Coach K and um, everybody applauds because Tony's the only one who could have said it and not been booed. Right. Like if the athletic director came out to say right. nice things about Coach K, anybody, could have been anybody, right. it would have been booed, but can't boo Tony because he's so classy. And then I, I don't applaud because I'm a child and um, have a lot of arrested development, you know? Yeah. And then like five seconds after, I'm like, damn, I should have applauded. Tony would have wanted me to applaud. And then after the game, you know, yeah, you a, have bad sportsmanship, a four point loss, which probably knocks the who's out of the NCAA tournament. I'm pretty fired up. But then there's a loving embrace between Tony and Coach K at the end. And then a nice handshake line where the student athletes all come together, show their respect for each other. I'm like, all right, I, sh I could be a little bit better, you know? Yeah. Let's let let's let old MG look in the mirror a little bit, you know? Wow. So you really because I've never seen it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I never like as a fan, I'm like, you know, I've never thought about fighting somebody over a professional team allegiance yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's like barbarian to me and tom Izzo's great he's the man but uh i disagree with him on this one and i honestly though if tom Izzo is so fucking hardcore on like these kids are complacent they don't go to class this whole thing then i think the worst thing for him is sportsmanship to be honest if you think about it why do i need to hear great game good game good game that's just what I want my team to hear. A bunch of good games. Just get in a line and get fucking, get a verbal blowjob for 90 feet. Like, no. Actually, but, no, but I these say days, cancel sportsmanship. Dog, these days, if you're doing handshakes, okay, great, down the line. But then the kid who gets the handshake and then like the, the pat on the peck, mm. that's like transfer portal stuff. Yeah, that, like, yeah. hey, I'm going to be hitting you up in you about a month. You got to watch the, the peck pat. Yeah. The peck pat or like the, the elbow grab. Yep. The, like elbow, the friendly oh, one, the, not the, the elbow pull in, not the, yeah, the, not the guard. guard. Yeah. 
The nice that's, one. That's it's like, very true. Hey, I recruited you a couple of years ago, and I'm going to be recruiting you again here in a couple of months because you're not getting any, any I'm time. I'm just saying, man, these kids, the last thing they need to hear anymore is good game. That's what everybody's telling them. You get online, you hear that. I want a line where people just say, like, fuck you the yeah. whole time down the line. Yeah. Hey, you rolled a lot. I, I did roll a lot. Anybody that follows me on social media, I, I got in this thing with, with Jeff Schwartz. Something came up about rolling. It's a college punishment and maybe high school too. And I don't think you can do that anymore in college football, but they get you to roll on your side for a long time. Taylor, you know about this, right? Former yeah, college athlete. Unfortunately, yeah. So, so how was it carried out at your school, which will go unnamed? Uh, I mean, I only had to Just do it twice, UBA. thankfully, only twice. But usually it was after practice. Like, you know, we just had a long two-and-a-half-hour practice. Somebody in the receiver group fucks something up. And like, hey, the whole group, like, we, we do it as a unit. I never puked. Now you have to roll on your side. Yeah, you just yeah. lay on the ground. Yeah, this yeah. rolling is shoulder pads. Shoulder pads I think the, whole the shoulder thing. pads made it worse because you're like bouncing almost. It's not like a smooth roll. Mm -hmm. It's like helmets? lopsided. Helmets? Yeah, yeah, helmets on. Helmets. Uh, that might change things. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, but I've also seen people roll without it. So like like some winter workouts, like you're in trouble, you didn't go to class, you got to roll. Or, hey, summer workouts, you got to roll, and people are in T-shirts. So long story short, people were telling me this is really hard. Jeff Schwartz told me it was really hard. He said, you couldn't do it, bro. So I was like, man, we're trying to grow the YouTube channel. This will hit the algorithm right in the G spot. Yeah. Former NFL player rolling on his back. Perfect. Several dozen folks were. Several dozen folks were in the chat, glued. including Macon. Yeah. Um, they never told me the numbers. But overall, it was like one of our most watched things lately. So what does that tell you? I put on an astronaut helmet and suit we had one laying around i don't know why and i ate some sushi for good measure and uh i tr i attempted to roll 200 yards see what this was all about somebody told me one of my f former colleagues nfl guy told me that at his school there were cones out when they had these guys rolling like 15 of them that you couldn't roll near because of the vomit <laughs> you have a cat does it throw up go panthers that's bile so there was bile everywhere. There was vomit. There was vom everywhere. Dropping vom. I've been told this is like going to space. This is like training in first man. If you remember that movie when Ryan Gosling's in the spinner thing. And he's like in the county fair getting ready to go to the moon. And he just vomits everywhere because of the G's. I, that's how people were describing this. You would have thought it was like really difficult. It was easy. It was very easy. Shit was cake, I believe. Was Shit was quote. cake. That's what I repeatedly am saying. But Taylor, were you surprised? Because you, I think you or Reed had your money on me puking well, one time. And Matt you think told me he I did it correctly, properly, sufficiently. Here we go. Well, I'm, I'm asking the question. Yeah, I think honest. Like, if I'm going to be honest with you here, Chris, like we're you know the, kind of the theme yeah, today. I believe, tree, is yeah. opening yeah. up yeah, yeah, with like each that. other, right? He doesn't um, think I did it right. I, no, I was actually just really mad that you did it so easily. Like the whole time behind the camera, I was like, this motherfucker over here. This, I was like, it's really easy for him. Damn, MF Contagious up in this J. So yeah, it made me just more upset than anything. Well, Matt was like going the hardest. Matt was like, you're, you're going to vomit. He was like, you're going to puke multiple times. He was like, and tomorrow you will feel this. Remember that? I didn't say you'd vomit. I thought you'd be fine on the day. I just thought you'd be really sore today. I feel great. I'm Honestly, shocked you're not. I feel really good. I feel like if you want to feel good, you know Aaron Rodgers has a cleanse. 
the <laughs> yeah, roll, I heard about roll it. 400 yards. That's what I did. Roll four, 400 yards, and you'll feel better the next day. The Chris Honestly, Long cleanse. Yeah. Chris Long cleanse. It's rolling. I want to admit something. When I left, because Stanford Steve got there at the end, Macon got there at the end, it was kind of funny. Like, y'all were like, just showed up at the end and walked onto this intramural field at UVA. And uh, we were all talking for five minutes. And I had to go because I had to go on this show in Philly. And I was getting ready to puke. Like, all of a sudden, it came on, like, really, like, for five, ten seconds, bro. Like, when I told you guys I had to go, I was like, fuck, man. I might, I might puke like before the fence, but once I got past the, the fence, I was totally good. But it like, it came out of nowhere. I felt great. And then it was there and it was gone. That shit is, it's not that hard guys. So yeah, that's your rolling. How far do you think you could roll? Well, you're my only, you're my only point of comparison. Point of, point of reference. So it, it, it did, you made it look easy. I mean, I feel like I could just keep, keep rolling. It was actually kind of fun when you got going really fast. Really fun. Love the thing at the playground that you spin around on. You stand there. Somebody spins you around on it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, they don't make those anymore, unfortunately. Probably something wrong with that, right? I think it makes kids. It's just dangerous. It's like drugs. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like the easiest. That that fucking part of the playground is is drugs hiding in plain sight. Think about that. Drug-free school zone. No, it's not. You have one of those things? No. That's good. You like that? Yeah, That's your yeah. version of a laugh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brian Windhorse. <laughs> your favorite game's back. How yeah. long is this? 15 inches. It's 15 inches on the nose. Look at that. I'm back, Unbelievable. I want to be as good at anything as you are at this. We've all got that oddly specific thing that we're good at, but no one's great at everything. Fiverr connects you to best in-class freelancers with experience in hundreds of digital specialties and every skill imaginable to help you with any project. From data wizards that can turn spreadsheets into insights to voice actors that can bring scripts to life, and everything in between. Here at Greenlight, Fiverr has been a great resource for finding really talented people. Look, Fiverr is really easy to use and brings you a global network of on-demand freelance talent. Find out what you're looking for instantly. No more guessing games. You'll know exactly what you're paying for upfront. No negotiating needed. Fiverr has a network of quality talent that you can count on. The great thing is Fiverr's platform is flexible enough to accommodate and manage the ebb and flow of business. Find a freelancer with the specific skills you need for your next project. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code GREENLIGHT. Find all the digital services you need in one place at Fiverr.com. F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Code GREENLIGHT. Again, it's Fiverr.com. Code GREENLIGHT. All right, this is one we've been waiting for. You know, we don't we don't get a ton of great NBA guests, but this is top of the line. It is top of the line. Well, you're a Knicks but fan, you, so but we you don't... settled. You settled for someone not great. No, this is good. This is damn good, man. Is is, he, fact, a is he a Knicks fan? No, I'm a Knicks are. fan. Well, who's his favorite team? Does he have to stay agnostic, Brian? Do you are you technically agnostic? Man, I mean, who's your favorite NFL team? I mean, you. Oh, it's easy. Really? Whoever's winning me money. It's like, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're, when you're in the profession, it kind of roots it out of you. You're you know right though. I mean? You're so, right though. It's true. So like you, you don't follow like Cleveland games growing up and 
a little closer well, no, than I, other teams. I, no, I did. I mean, I grew up, uh, when I grew up, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and the Cavs yeah. basically played in Akron when I yeah. was a kid. But um, the team I root for is the team that's ahead in the playoff series. Because when that ends, you can go home. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, the best. Everybody was complaining last week. I don't know if you follow football people, but everybody, I feel like it's a prerequisite. You have to act like you are sad the first Sunday out of the NFL. And I'm like, holy shit, no, you have time to do all the things you haven't had time to do, like all fall. What are you doing? This is awesome. It's over. Yeah, I um, I love the offseason. I can't wait for it to, to arrive. Uh, but um, that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy great basketball. So yeah. I enjoy great basketball wherever that's played. Um, hey, I do. I want to ask him about the story that's, that's speaking of great basketball. Sincere Carey. Sincere Carey, the best name in basketball yeah. in the Kent State yeah. uh basketball team they're on fire right now dude what's up with that yeah i know um you know i went to kent when i was at kent they were okay but um i think maybe they made the NCAA tournament once when i was in school but i've just i've had a a, a friendship with so many of their head coaches over the years because um they keep getting promoted into other jobs and so their coach right now rob senderoff is a friend of mine and um so yeah, they're having a great run. They were like uh, nine and nine or something, and they were just really kind of middling along. And now they've won nine in a row, and it's been hilarious because it's happening in a real lull in the sports world right now. There's not a lot going on mm. because NFL is over, uh, the NBA is on, um, you know, on their break, and baseball's in a strike. So you don't even have like spring training stuff you normally have. It's probably the lowest amount of of sports we've had since the pandemic, to be honest with you. Yeah. And here's Kent state having this incredible run. And I was needling uh, Van Pelt. I was on Van Pelt um, around uh, the trade deadline. And I was like, how come you're not getting Kent state highlights more into the show? And so kind of to antagonize me, they had like, a, they had like 15 free seconds at the end of the show and they just jammed in a Kent state highlight <laughs> and they haven't lost since they keep winning. And then the other night, um, their star player sincere carry, uh, had 42, I've uh, hit 10 threes in the game. So, and I think Van Pelt led the show with it and it, it was great. And, and they're, and they're tweaking me and it's, but it's also because there's nothing going on in the sports world right now. It's, it's both things. That's so good. Those two guys, man, we had, as I said, off, uh, offline, Stanford, Steve came up or came down for a sleepover last night. And we mm. thought Stanford, Steve this is a long awaited trip. I sat, uh, <laughs> I gave him good tickets to the game. I booted you for Stanford, Steve. And you had, you know, like, yeah, not as good tickets. So this whole thing, we're being selfless. We're accommodating Steve. The Duke Blue Devils beat the, the uh, Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, Steve reveals on his fourth white claw that he is, in fact, a Duke fan. <laughs> we didn't know. We sat with, with Steve the entire game, and he's a pr- self-professed Duke fan. I didn't know that about him. Is he's that a, right? He didn't even go to Duke. He's the worst kind of Duke fan. Like I, oh, and then he was man. like, ask anybody. They'll tell you. So, so Brian, Windhurst, I'm at, Brian Windhorst is, is, is an anybody. He's, he's somebody. Let's ask Brian. Had you ever heard of Steve being a Duke no, fan? No. No. It, it hurts me because, you know, but I got a weird relationship with Duke. Shashevsky has treated me really, really well over the years. Because I covered him with Team USA. Yeah. He, we have a, a really good professional relationship. There's a lot of guys who went to Duke that are like high character guys that I like. 
um, you know, that I've had, you know, decent professional relationships with. And then there's JJ Reddick. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yet I can't, I just, I can't with Duke. I can't. I can't and so Duke. that, that hurts. That hurts. I did not know Steve went that way, man. That's yeah. That's tough. That's man. tough. I told him at the bar last night, I was like, I feel like in Ace Ventura when he realized, uh, it was Ray Finkel. And he had been kissing Ray Finkel. Like I was sitting next to uh, to Stanford Steve the whole game, like having Man. intimate conversations with him about the but Duke offense and is number five going to be a lottery pick and all this stuff. And I just felt uh, it felt cheated, honestly. Paid for the ticket and everything. Man, I mean, with all due respect, it's so shallow of a guy who's I would think is deep. Yeah, you would you think know? he'd be a deep I mean, thinker. You would think he'd be a deep. I thinker. mean, you know, being a Duke fan. If you didn't go to Duke or aren't from North Carolina, it's kind of shallow. I mean, I don't know. I could get ripped for saying that. No, but, but you know what? You're so right. Duke and UNC, they have the most like non, I, you know, I didn't attend the school, you know, like uh, I just like the colors of the UNC team or I watched Duke win a bunch of championships and you got fans all over the place. The, the polar opposite of being a Duke fan is what you are in football. No offense. The Cleveland Browns fan is, is what I yeah. hear. So are you... Are you like a loud and proud Cleveland Browns fan? Are you I'm, like, I'm, just, are you dead I'm, now? Are you like dead inside or is there hope? <laughs> I'm a, like I, my number one team is Ohio state football. Not Ohio, I don't really care that much about basketball, Ohio state football. That is what I, I mean, I work in the sports world. I don't live and die with anything, but that's what I reframe my schedule around. I was at the Rose bowl this year, for example, I've what seen them in the fiesta was. bowl. Yeah, I've I've seen them in the national championship game several times. There was more defense um, in the All Star game than that Rose Bowl. <laughs> well, I didn't. You know, um, my phone was actually not functioning in the. You know, I, I you know, it, I didn't understand, and I didn't have the knowledge that Utah apparently had was like playing a, def- a running back, a, def- a defensive back. I didn't know. Yeah. I hadn't studied, you know, the game really wasn't that important. Relatively speaking, I hadn't studied the, um, the, uh, you know, the, the Utah, a too deep chart to know that they had a, a running back playing defensive back when, when Jackson Smith and the Jigba, uh, you know, crossed the 300 yard mark, uh, the, the, the very nice Utah guys who were sitting with me, I informed them that actually Ohio state's number one and two, number two receivers were sitting out the game and that this was our number three receiver. They were a little heartbroken. Yeah. You guys, uh, have, you guys but, have, have skill in, in, yeah, in layers, but, man. But certainly I followed the Browns since I was a child. I yeah. mean, I, I attended frigid playoff games, um, you know, I say this to people, people don't remember this. Maybe you do. Um, the Ronnie Harmon game, uh, where Harmon dropped the ball, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it was a great for the Browns because they won that playoff game, but this five degree game against Browns versus Buffalo, I went to that game when I was maybe like nine or 10. So, I mean, I was a Browns fan going way back. I've gone to dozens of Browns games in my life and I, I, I want them to do all. I'm a fan of the team, but um, if you ask me whether I'd rather have Ohio state in the BCS or, or the Browns in the Super Bowl, I'd say Ohio state just, oh, just really? okay. so, so we're clear. Yeah. Even though yeah, you guys yeah. get that all the time. Yeah. And then you got to Here's see my uh, Ohio state cup. Oh, look at yeah. you. Do you have a favorite Ohio state player of all time? I have a feeling. I know who it is with Kent state, Joe Burrow. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> you know, I've never actually had a chance to uh, talk to this guy. Maybe someday I will. One of my favorite Ohio State players of all time is AJ Hawk. Yeah. 
love the way AJ Hawk played. I love um, some of the linebackers Ohio State has had: Andy Katz and Moyer, AJ Hawk, uh, Mike Doss, defensive players. I mean, people remember Ohio State offensive players. I mean, when I was a kid, Eddie George was it was a hero. Any other linebackers? Um, we're leaving. We're leaving one out that I played with. That he, if he listens to this, he's going to be heartbroken. I think. Sorry, well, there's dozens of little the little animal James Laronitis. Well, Laronitis, oh my God, Laronitis, silver bullet. Laronitis was a stud. I mean, I, I mean, I love Hawk because he was on the championship team, yeah. and I'm still angry that Paul Plavzovsky, who I think is a great player, he was a great player. He won the Butkus Award. Uh, AJ's, I can't remember, it was AJ's junior year or senior year. And he won it basically because Penn State beat Ohio State that year. But AJ Hawk was so great that year. And I was so angry that he didn't win the Butkus Award that year. But of course, Laronitis, Katzenmoyer, Hawk, these are royalty in my um in my in my Ohio State fandom uh uh, uh life. Are you older than James Harrison? You're younger than James Harrison for sure, right? Okay, so I co- I'm a little bit older than James Harrison. Um my first job out of college, uh, you'll probably like this story. My first job out of college, I covered Kent State for the Akron Beacon Journal, even though I had just attended Kent State. I did not attend, and this kind of is emblematic of Kent State football, I did not attend one Kent State football game when I was in school there, mostly because I was working on the weekends yeah. and I didn't have time. So I'm one year out of uh, Kent State, and um, this, there's this senior at Kent from Akron, Ohio, where I'm from, James Harrison. The baddest still to this day, the baddest ass I've ever met. And <laughs> that season, so the opening game of that season, uh, Kent State played at Iowa. Uh, Dean Pease was the head coach. Mm-hmm. who went on to have a great mm-hmm. NFL career. Um, Josh Krebs is the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. But uh, opening game of that season, they play Iowa. It's Kirk Ferentz's maybe third season. And he's kind of a little bit on, on the hot seat. Like um, he hadn't done so great his first two years. So as an outside linebacker, James Harrison kept his team in the game on the road at a Big Ten school. Like he had a sack, a strip, and a, and a, and a fumble recovery that like short circuited uh, Iowa's first three drives. I've mm-hmm. never had, I had never seen a linebacker from a Mac school hold his team in a game at the Big Ten until like, 10, 12 years later, when I saw Khalil Mack do it, when mm-hmm. Buffalo playing at Ohio yeah. State, and I begged the Browns, my God, take Khalil Mack, take Khalil Mack, take Khalil Mack. But, um, and who'd they take? I don't remember, but it was a terrible decision. Kent State hadn't had a winning season in 15 years. Yeah. Okay. And for those guys to get to uh, six and five, it was 11 games, was like them you know, winning the league championship Yeah. back then, like the Mac got one bowl team and the Mac had good teams like Byron left, which was in the league, Randy Moss, et cetera. Last game of the season, there's 300 people there. It's a day after Thanksgiving. It's freezing cold. And Kent state is hosting Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio has a relatively mobile quarterback, freshman quarterback who is running all around the pocket, very hard to chase down by the name of Ben Roethlisberger. You would never recognize Ben Roethlisberger as a freshman because I'm telling you he was mobile. So Roethlisberger famously like committed to Miami and then Ohio state wanted him after his senior year. And he said, no, no, I'm sticking with Miami, which was amazing. So he's a stud and it is 24, 20 Kent state and Roethlisberger is driving Miami down the field what looks like it's going to be a winning drive. James Harrison had so much pride and he was so great 
he did not want to let that that end. He did not want to lose that game. And so Miami gets to about maybe the 15 yard line. It's less than two minutes to play first down and 10 at the 15 yard line. James Harrison put his hand on the ground and said, I'm not losing. And he hit Ben four straight times. No way. I'm not saying I'm not, he didn't sack him all four times. But I think he sacked him twice. That's a dream. And, and like on fourth and whatever, you know, now they've got to go for it. Cause they're down four. There's like, you know, 40 seconds left. Uh, he, you know, they had like the lineman and a tight end and a, and a chipper over there. And Harrison was like, no, no, he just reached right in between them, grabbed him by the back of the Jersey and just spiked Roethlisberger down on the ground. And I, I would guess that if you brought that up to Dean Pease today, if you called him on the phone, Dean Pease later won, rings in Baltimore yeah. and in, uh, and in, uh, new England. I don't know if you played for him there. I if did he was not there play for Dean Pease, but he's an but, incredible name right. in the NFL. I bet there would be tears in his eyes because yeah. getting to six and five with Kent state, which is a nothing program, hadn't had a winning season in 15 years and James Harrison doing it on Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. One of my great memories of any football. I mean, there there's 300 people there. I, I wonder if the tape even exists. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely v- VHS. It's definitely somewhere. like standard. I mean, I look back at some of the ACC, the Raycom network stuff that when when even I played, and I'm just like, fuck, dude, we're old. I mean, that's one way to find. Well, out at least you're, you're on TV. There was no yeah. chance this game was on TV. There was no, no way. chance. There was there was some videographer out in the wind and cold, and that yeah. was it. He's an intimidating cat, man, and had uh, just an incredible yeah. career. Uh, I got to play against him in the Super Bowl. Um, he was even great for the Patriots down the stretch when when the Eagles and the Pats played. I mean, at every stage of his career, he was great. So, shout out to James Harrison. How about um, how about the main event here? Hoops. I could talk to him about mm. football all day, but like yeah. hoops, we've got this is perfect because you're like kind of you know LeBron. LeBron, you know, over the weekend and you know at the All Star game talked about Cleveland kind of opened the door to coming back, and I kind of wonder like how you set those odds. Is it like Cleveland? you know, one of the three favorite field destinations, like if it's it's LA or the field, like I feel like Cleveland's up there just because he's so intentional. You know him, like you know him better than almost any of us. Like he doesn't say things on accident. Why would he say Cleveland yeah. and who else would be involved? Well, we got to remember the guys changed teams three times. He sort of had four phases of his career. Cleveland one, Miami, Cleveland two, Lakers. Yeah. So we're not talking about a guy who has stayed put. So, and he's also declared he was going to stay put in the past. He, you know, he's like, he declared I'm never leaving Cleveland. So I, I don't pay as much attention to his actions. I mean, his words as much as his actions. So, um, you know, he wants to play with his son. And so we'll see what happens there. I, I, I sort of feel like it only makes sense for him to play in Cleveland or LA that he's only leaving LA to come back to Cleveland. But I also will recognize, I don't know what's going to happen with his son. I mean, his son is a four-star prospect, but he's also a junior in high school. And so what that means is that he's two years away from playing. But when you're 37, as LeBron is two years, that's a big giant, you know, the difference between 37 and 39 is pretty big. And while his, he's talking about his son and and playing with his son somewhere, and maybe that's Cleveland, maybe that's LA, maybe that's somewhere else. 
all of next season and all of the season after that. And that's what I think he's talking about and focused on. And he still has gas left in the tank, still wants to compete. Um, and he also said that his, he said, my last season will be with my son. That doesn't necessarily mean that's in two years. He may, his last season might be in four years. You know, I don't know. So people are equating what he said about his son to what's happening right now with the Lakers. And I think that's a mistake. I think those should be taken apart from each other. So what I think he's doing right now is he's putting the Lakers on notice Yeah, that he wants them to go all in on this, on this, in this summer. And so what does that, what does all in mean? It means be willing to trade Westbrook, be willing to trade draft picks, be willing to, to break stuff up. Um, not going to be complacent because in his view, they were complacent at the trade deadline. And, and so I've seen him do this before and typically he's gotten his way because he's so good that, um, that you, you kind of have to go with what he wants. And, the instantaneous reaction is, well, didn't he want Russell Westbrook? And yeah, he did. And now he doesn't, things, <laughs> you know, like, change. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I know that that, you know, it's, it's what about but like, he doesn't care uh, when you're a player at his level, you can make demands right. and normally they get met. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause w- with the, uh, with the Bronny stuff, I don't know high school recruiting in college the same you don't? way. <laughs> the same way that, you know, I know it in football. So like I know what a four star means in football. You know, like I, I know that in football there's so many four stars, like it's no foregone conclusion that a four star is gonna play in the NFL. Even if even if you're a five star. You know, so like what does a four star mean? Like what are the real prospects of this kid playing in the pros? I know he's not as big as his dad, uh, but he's got some game. Uh, and can like kids like that kind of continue to grow? Like, is the the finished product what you see now, or is in two years he could be a totally different prospect? He, he right. He's nowhere near the physical size of his dad, and he's unfortunately already had an injury. He missed his sophomore year because he tore his meniscus. Yeah. So his you know his, his dad's never never had a significant knee injury. Knock on wood. So yeah, I mean, and you're you know you're exactly right. Being four star means you could probably go into a high major school. It means if you want to go to UCLA or USC, you probably can. If you want to go to Duke, you probably can. It doesn't mean that you're going to, at age 19, be ready to play in the NBA. So one of the things when it comes to that, I've, I've seen him play a number of occasions. He's, I'll tell you one thing, when he was like 15, he was in way better physical condition than LeBron was. I mean, LeBron didn't have a training regimen. Yeah, age it's 15, a totally different game, 16. yeah. Um, I remember talking to the first strength coach he had when he, you know, after he was about 16 ish between his sophomore and junior year, when he started working with the strength coach and the strength coach was like, I couldn't believe how fast he put on muscle. But then again, he had all this muscle already and had never lifted a weight. So that was not the case with Bronny. Bronny has had spectacular training, spectacular nutrition. Um, you look at him, he's in tremendous physical condition. He does not look like your average 17 year old kid. He is cut. He is, you know, is, is well-trained. He plays the game like his dad, the right way. There's a lot to like yeah. about him, yeah. but I'm going to be honest. You don't watch him play and go, Wow. I mean, when he was, uh, when he was a freshman, I went and watched him play and there were two kids on his high school team. And granted, he's at a a loaded high school in the San Fernando Valley, Sierra Canyon. They're loaded every year. There are two kids on that roster that are now in the NBA. 
Mm. One guy plays for the Grizzlies. One guy plays for the Clippers. And you watch those kids and you were like, whoa, Mm -hmm. you know, you just don't get that with Bronny. So I wonder if LeBron, you know, and the thing is like, he doesn't have to worry about what his best NIL deal will be, or should he go to the G league to get the 500 grand to help his family? He doesn't have any financial pressure. So, I mean, I wonder if LeBron's like, Hey, maybe he should go play at Texas for three years, Kentucky for two years. Or is he going to be like, let's get him to the pros as fast as possible. That's the Um, interesting thing for me as somebody, an outsider who's kind of a casual fan of the NBA especially during football season, like I'm catching up to hear this. I'm like, wow, this is big news. This kind of instructs where you think the greatest player possibly of all time is going to finish his career. And then the, you know, the, the caveat being like, does this kid want, want to go to college and have that experience and develop there that changes LeBron's entire timeline. So it's kind of interesting that way. Uh, and we'll see what happens there. Cleveland though, sell me on Cleveland, why he would, Cleveland because they they do have a really nice young core yeah I mean like yeah. what what else are people missing because I don't think people are rushing to watch Cleveland right now except for like my producer Matt who's an NBA fanatic well now that we're coming out of the NFL fog they're 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 two and a half out of first place I know so, yeah it's we've crazy been, we've been sleeping whoa I'm like Rip Van Winkle so, holy shit so, something happened on and I granted nothing really happens on All Star Weekend that is that important yeah. that you can see right there's stuff that goes on behind the scenes famously Kyrie and Durant got together over all-star and decided they were going to play together that stuff happens but on the court but something interesting happened on the court um on sunday night so in the fourth quarter of the of the all-star game for the last few years they do this thing called the elam ending where there's no clock and they set a score um that you have to hit and it's been one of the greatest innovations as 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 lousy as all-star weekend is it's one of the greatest innovations of my lifetime to it because these guys really want to play. And, and more importantly, the guys who are on the court are like the premium of the premium to be on the court for um, the Elam ending is like almost the greatest compliment that you can be paid in the league because it's like, okay, now the best of the best. Now the, now the men amongst boys are going to come out here and play to win. Right. And it's always close. Um, and it's always competitive. Uh, and the first time they did this a few years ago in Chicago, there was no substitution made. They played for like 25 minutes, no subs. Yeah. You know, they were like, no, you're not coming into this game. Guys are taking charges. So for team LeBron that, you know, had his name on his Jersey, you know, I know Monty Williams is over there, you know, as the coach, but LeBron's making the decision. Jared Allen, Mm -hmm. the center for the Cavs, not Nikola Jokic. They said, Jared, you're playing center. And guard Embiid, Joel Embiid. And Jokic, the MVP, was his backside was on the bench for Team LeBron. Mm. And there's Jared Allen out there making plays. And I'm not sure that LeBron can give a greater compliment to a player than I want you on the floor on my team for the Elam ending. And like when you watched, if you watched that, which I can't see why you would have, but if you watched it, <laughs> the, the, the guys who were making plays were Joel Embiid, yeah. Giannis Antetokounmpo. LeBron, like this was not, we're messing around in the second quarter and you know, the, the, the 13th all-star on the roster is shooting a 35 footer to have fun. The game has um, felt different the past couple of years. I thought the one right before the pandemic was the greatest all-star game ever. Yeah. So they knocked that out of the park. We had some suggestions on how to fix a dunk contest a couple of days ago, but I think that's going to be more of a work in progress constantly 
but they've nailed the All-Star game. I thought All-Star weekend went, it seemed like it went pretty well. But here's the thing I'm wondering about. Like, I'm looking at the next couple of All-Star games, man. Salt Lake City, you just had Cleveland, and then Indy. Like, these aren't big, sexy locations. We can say that out loud, yeah. right? Like, there's, a, there's a reason why. Is it that we're trying to sell the NBA to the heartland? No. What's going Bribery. on here? Bribery. Bribery. Yeah. Like, is that um, like, like how our government works and all that stuff and politics? They, I mean, like you know, like that? I'm not here for that. But <laughs> um, uh, basically, Indiana, Cleveland, uh, Indiana was actually supposed to have it a couple years ago. And it was hit there last year was canceled. The pandemic yeah. was pushed back. Cleveland, Indiana and Salt Lake all asked their local government for money to renovate their arenas. It's not even really hidden. They were like, if you give us the money, we'll give you an all-star game. And the they got doing the money. something right now with uh, what is it that you can't you, you know taxpayers can't pay for stadiums anymore? Like this stuff is it's is an interesting underbelly of yeah like, they um, yeah they filed a um, there are some lawmakers in Washington are trying to start a bill. Um, See there, I got him talk politics. Wow, Brian yeah. Windhorst talks politics. But like um, you know, yeah. I'm from I'm that. from Cleveland. Okay, yeah. I am you know I was born and raised there. Yep. Um, I think. Cleveland did as well as it possibly could of course yeah. that all-star game. The weather was atrocious. It was okay on Sunday, but the weather was atrocious. Um, and so this is how you get an all-star game. You give the NBA money. Uh, I know it's not directly a check written to Adam silver, how much but that's money? essentially hundreds of millions in this okay, case. Let's, I mean, get, you know. let's get the all-star game in Charlotte. Yeah, that'd be neat. Let's just pull a couple bucks together. It's all, I mean, arena. You, JP. there is a price at which they would do it. <laughs> to be okay, honest good. With you. All right. Fuck, let's pull I don't it know the, I, don't, I don't know what the price is, but there's a price. Okay, real quick. Uh, MVP odds. You want to, you want to go through that to see sure. if we've got, uh, we've got Embiid plus 200, uh, Jokic plus 280, uh, Giannis plus 400, Steph plus 800, Ja plus 1200, and Booker plus 2000. Two part question. Have you and Tim, when did you and Tim make up after that whole thing? Like, how did that process go? And then, do you have a good value? Not necessarily a favorite. I think Embiid is clearly the favorite, but do you have a good value? Yeah. Two to Rose and Brian. Yeah. Well, I, I had to just vote in our straw poll. And I put DeRozan, I think, fourth on my ballot. I mean, DeRozan is a real strong candidate for first team all NBA, which. I don't even know if he's ever made all NBA and he, if he has, maybe he snuck onto a third team and he might make first team like in his 10th year. That's pretty Amazing. crazy. So the thing about MB is if he gets hurt, you know, he's very, he's fragile, but you know, he's got Harden coming on board tomorrow. He's playing his free. He's going to play his first game. And so I don't know if that's going to help or hurt MB, but I think the the Sixers are going to get better. So I, th I think Embiid. That's not value. Um, I guess if you're looking for value, uh, so Chris Paul is out the next uh, two months, six to yeah. eight weeks. And Devin Booker, um, I, I just don't think he can win it. I, I mean, it's it, it just be so hard. But this is a moment now for Booker. Um, Booker's got an incredible uh, motive to be awesome for the rest of the regular season. If he makes the All-NBA team, first, second, or third team, um, he triggers a clause that allows him to sign a contract extension this off season and get 70 million extra dollars. Oh. Um, it, he, he, it, we call it qualifying. It's so he could qualify for the super max is sort of the, uh, the, the nomenclature of how to say it. And he becomes eligible to sign that contract 
if he makes all NBA. So here we have this moment where they're already the number one team, but now Chris Paul is down. If he plays awesome, I mean, he might get it anyway, but if he plays awesome in this next six weeks, it's only going to bring a lot of spotlight to him. Can he honestly play good enough to win the MVP? I mean, it would take something wild, but if you're looking for value in there, I guess because of the Paul injury, he's the guy that's upwardly mobile in that group. I think Embiid, there's only downside because of the possible injury. So, um, you know, and then Jokic, uh, he's going to be getting hopefully a couple of his teammates, his star teammates back between now and the end of the season. So, um, you know, we'll have to see, but uh, I, I do kind of like Booker there a little bit. So you have a vote that could potentially net somebody $70 million. Yep. Are you comfortable with that? Has, a guy like Devin Booker said, "Hey, you know, two hundred grand to you if uh, get me on that third team." You know, uh, so there's this has happened on, a, on on maybe four or five occasions where it's been close since they gave this rule. And here's the thing: is it a perfect rule? Uh, no, but but the owners and the players had to come up with some sort of arbiter to try to say, and they just don't trust each other. The owners don't trust the players. The players don't trust the owners. And quite frankly. Like people say, well, don't, you know, the, the media shouldn't vote for it. I'm like, okay, fine. You don't want us to vote for it. Fine. Take it away from us. I don't care. Who's going to vote for it. The fans, they've had to take away most of the all-star vote from them because they're like almost voting in Zaza Pachulia um, <laughs> as, as, as the all-star starter, the players vote that has been for all-star and they, they, for a couple of years, they had their own awards and they had their, you know, they were like, Oh, the media is stupid. They don't know what they're doing. And then they had their own award. The players votes are a nightmare. Like some of the stuff that the players are voting for it's, they don't take it seriously. And it's the pro bowl is bad, dude. The pro bowl is bad. I remember voting for it when we would, they would hand out these sheets in our meeting rooms at six o'clock on the tail end of a 40 hour week week 14 and guys are like who should we vote for asking the oldest guy in the room like nobody knows because you're so in a in a in a bunker looking at you know end zone tape of the team you're playing and that's it and it's really hard to vote as players to be like that into the game so what i'm surprised about is that so there's 100 voters yeah. for all in all I'm surprised that the lack of reach out that has happened over the years. So for example, last year, it's happened for several guys, but for last year, Jason Tatum, he was right on the bubble. Will he make all NBA or will he not? And in his case, he's a little bit younger. It's it wasn't going to be 70 million, but I think it was going to be the neighborhood of 40 or 50 million. If he had hit the all NBA, he would have triggered a clause in his contract that would have given him that bonus. I would have thought with that much money on the line that there would have been a campaign. Mm. Like, I'm not saying I expect, I mean, I could argue, I, I made, I made the joke in the past that, um, that you could make the, the monetary argument that you should buy all hundred people, um, a Range Rover and send it to their house and say, vote for me. And it would actually be a good financial decision because even if you bought a hundred Range Rovers, you'd still be way ahead. If you, um, you know, you made your extra $70 million. Yep. Yep. That's a joke. But, but, the, but what's interesting is that whenever it's been close, I haven't gotten campaigned. I haven't had agents call me. I haven't had like, um, you know, the player send a, uh, send something. That's and the so interesting. 
And the teams are in an awkward spot because the teams on one hand, you know, it's a major difference for them. Like it's like, we'd like to solve the player, but not pay them the extra 50. And like, so the teams like don't know what to do. And so like, I'm not advocating for bribery. I'm just saying, I'm surprised that the amount of money that is on the line, there's very little outreach to the hunt. Not it's not 50 million voters. It's not 500 voters. It's a hundred voters. A large majority of which you, the players know, you know, I know Jason Tatum and, um, I, you know, my viewpoint on it, and I think there's maybe been four or five of these. If it's close, if I'm in the gray zone on whether I'm going to put the guy on the, on the all NBA team or not, I'm putting him on because I'm not going to be the reason he didn't get his 70 million or 50 million, depending on where you are. Um, but there have also been times where it's not really that close and it's caused some animus, you know, Carl Anthony towns, was up for this and he had a good year, but his team was terrible. And Carl didn't play a lick of defense all year long. And I didn't put him on the team. And Carl was very grumpy with the media for the following year. And it was because he didn't make that team and I get it, but um, I'm just surprised considering everything at the way the process actually goes. So with, a that's fruit basket or that's something. super fucking yeah. interesting. Yeah, just send me an edible. Yeah, I'm not asking for anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised. He's yeah, not asking for anything. Maybe just a, a rover, just a Range Rover, <laughs> Gall- Galloway, Galloway Green, NBA team, all seventy five. The the seventy five. You know what? What are we calling that thing? You hit it. I see it. That thing with all the great players, and it was so cool to see him walking around in suits. Like NBA players yeah. age pretty well, man. You know, like football players. I'm just so used to seeing them just fucking wheeling out there or limping out there and i'm seeing guys that i'm like he's not only still around but he looks great and he's super tall they're like defying the laws of of gravity here and everything what 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 was your reaction to how they put that on did they hit it out of the park uh could it have been better was there anybody that you thought really got snubbed um what did you think well i'll tell you one thing you're right that a lot of them do look really good except for the a lot of the centers passed away early yeah you know, you know, big, really big, like a lot of tall guys, but like the really big guys, Moses Malone, guys like that passed away early. Um, so they made the decision and I get it um, because I, you know, I didn't get to vote on it. They have a, they have a committee, but they made the decision to keep the same 50 guys from the best 50, 25 years ago. And like, I can't comment on you know, George Mikan, like I didn't see him play. So if 25 years ago, that group decided to keep, not that he was on the bubble, but you know, there were some guys who made it who you're like, well, I've seen some of that footage and I'm not sure. He's on the bubble for me, Brian. Yeah. I love the drill and everything, but that fucking guy's God rest his soul. He's on the bubble. Yeah. So there was some guys who made it from the, from the fifties and sixties that still made it. And, you know, you're like, wow, man. So, um, you know, I think all in all, I think the most controversial pick was Anthony Davis because you are wagering on his, his resume probably doesn't really deserve it, but they're sort of wagering that he's going to be, he's going to be there. And, you know, there are some guys like the, the guy that who didn't make it that I felt a certain way about was Manu Ginobili mm, who, yeah. Um, is going to be a first bout hall of famer this year. Um, and, you know, I don't know how you frame what he did on the international stage, but he's 
absolutely brilliant. And I was kind of surprised he didn't make it. And then the one that people were upset about is Clay Thompson. I mean, if you look at the resume of Clay Thompson versus the resume of Anthony Davis, Clay Thompson's resume is better. But I always feel like he gets kind of end up, ends up snubbed in some way, Brian. Like, is, have I seen him upset about other accolades that he hasn't gotten? Yeah, before? you want to know what one of them was? Not making the All NBA team when team. he got next when he would have got an extra seventy million. <laughs> Could have sent you. I was Rover. yeah, I was standing there when he got the news. Oh no! And um, he was really, really, really upset. Yeah, really upset. And I mean, I was like, well, man, I would have. I mean, you know, he. Had, he was already getting a $200 million contract. Yeah. I wasn't going to lay awake at night going, oh man, I feel so bad. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't about the money. It was, I mean, it was, but he was really more upset. I mean, he was, the, the video's out there on YouTube. It, it, he got told while there was an interview happening. I remember that. He was like, oh, did I make it? And he was dejected. Yeah. And it's really because about, about being honored by, you know, being honored amongst your peers. Yeah. And Clay was really upset he didn't make this and and you know kind of in a way so there was actually a, a, a you know they didn't publish the voting so you know they're not being transparent but apparently there was a tie for the 75th spot so they actually had 76 people and so clay in, in practice started wearing a jersey with number 77 on it oh, that's um, funny. so you know but i respect that he cares so much about it. Cause yeah. there are probably some other guys who are like, I don't care, but look on Sunday night, I thought it was really cool to have all those guys there. And um, I was kind of surprised and miffed that certain guys didn't show up, you know, Russell Westbrook being honored. Like, you know, he's like, I'm not going to show up. And I'm just like, well, I get, you don't want to be in Cleveland. You'd rather have your day off, but like, it's a major honor, you know? Um, and so, but maybe that makes me sound like an old man. Well, um, I'm look. I'm searching for a turnover joke here. I don't have one. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't figure it out. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm looking at some of the snubs, and one of the interesting ones is Tracy McGrady. People are calling that a, a snub, like you could argue. It's interesting. Tony Baselli just got in the Hall of Fame in the NFL, had like an eight-year career, shortened by injuries. You know, we talk about guys like uh, Sterling Sharp. Uh, you talk about guys like Terrell Davis, people who were – really shooting stars but didn't man. have the longevity because of injuries where do you think somebody like t-mac ends up man I, I i might have to recuse myself because i consider t-mac a friend we worked together yeah. for years at espn we've spent time off the court together when he got into the hall of fame we had a surprise party for him in houston yeah his wife told him that they were going to a secret lauren hill concert and um he walked in and it was actually a bunch of his uh, friends and family who was, was there he, surprising. Was he bummed that it wasn't a secret Lauren Hill concert? <laughs> he pretended like he wasn't, but I don't know how big of a fan that he was. Yeah, deep down. Um, so, you know, here's what I know. As I went, you know, I did this daily show, uh, The Jump, that's now gone, but Tracy McGrady was one of the main people on it. And over the course of a few years, a bunch of players came in to be on the show when they were in Los Angeles and watching those guys, today's players who grew up watching Tracy meet him. It was like they were meeting and with their icons. Like I watched player after player after player react to meeting Tracy because they fashioned their games after him. And, you know, he, he had that iconic moment. Um, you know, was it, uh, 
I can't remember how many points and how many seconds. I mean, he'd get mad at me. It was, it was on his shoes um, when he won, when he won that one game. And, you know, he has suffered from the fact that he never got out of the first round. Really. He was not successful in the playoffs because not only did he have terrible injury luck in his career, he had terrible luck with injuries on his team. You know, he was with Grant Hill. And then Grant Hill got massively hurt. He was with Yao. He and Yao were like, maybe going to make a run at the Western Conference title. And then Yao breaks his foot two mm. different times. He had bad luck. And so that's used against him. But anyway, it's too long of an answer. But if, if it truly, just based on the way people treat it. And by the way, I remember when I first started covering the NBA, Tracy McGrady's shoe was like right behind Jordan's shoe for selling. Yeah. Like it was... Jordan, I mean, he was immensely popular for his game. So I am biased and going to say I wanted him in the 75, but I have to admit it's because I'm so close to the guy. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there's a bunch of guys that were dunking over insurance salesmen, and they're on the list. So I'm looking at somebody like who's an icon to 22-year-old aliens who who are playing the game at like the highest level of all time, and these guys look up to T-Mac. I'm like, yeah, I could see why T-Mac would be on the fucking list. So... Yeah, shout out yeah. to Trace McCready. Current events quickly. The, yeah, the quick, soap yeah. opera that is the Eastern Conference. We had the Sixers-Nets trade. Do the Nets figure this out? Who's the bigger pickup, Ben Simmons or Goran Dragic? I say somewhat <laughs> seriously. Well, well, Dragic I know is going to play. Yeah, so right. um, That's one thing. You know, I just don't know when Simmons is going to play. It's kind of, it was bizarre, uh, Steve Nash saying that he thinks – Kevin Durant's going to play before Ben Simmons. I, I just don't get it. But um, so the Nets, I think, did a, they made a good trade. They made the best trade they possibly could. If they had waited longer, it would have been a worse trade. But they are a loser in this because the concept of having Harden, Durant, and Irving healthy, able to play, playing together, that's great all-time te- team conversation and they never got those guys together for for the playoffs they got them together for a few dozen games and that is now not going to happen so they may get this team together and have a chance to win the title this year or next year or the year after durant is so amazing that you know my admiration for kevin is enormous oh, he's the um, I, I was in tokyo last summer covering team usa and look i know it it wasn't the most high profile Olympics and the games were being played in the middle of the night. Sometimes the U S doesn't win the gold medal without Durant. If, if there wasn't COVID protocols, Greg Popovich would have kissed him on the lips at the end of that. (laughs) Durant was so great. So I'm not going to take anything away from the nets, but they, the reason that they were reluctant to do this is because they had, this is an all time team that they could have lost. And so when I talked to some Eastern executives, like I talked to people, you know, Miami, Chicago, Cleveland, I was like, boy, this is kind of a bad break for you because here we had the, the Sixers who were kind of playing with one arm behind their back uh, because um, Harden wasn't, or uh, Simmons wasn't playing and the nets who were all messed up with their own thing. And now they might've healed each other. And, right. and they're, and they're like, yeah, I guess they definitely made it a harder road for us, but we didn't think we could beat the, the nets at full power. Now there is no, that full power isn't there. So, you know, if I was a nets fan, I'd still be excited about this year and the next few years, but I would be bummed that I had a potential group that could have been a dynasty that never got a chance. Okay. And fix my New York Knicks in 60 seconds. This is your last mm-hmm. task on the green light pod. Go, go back and don't, hire Tom Thibodeau because I know that um, he made them a lot better. And last year was a great season. And I loved watching the garden come alive, 
but the way for the Knicks to become really relevant again, I don't mean getting into the playoffs and being out in the first round, which it was an improvement is their young players have to get really good so that when a player says, trade me to New York, or I want out of my situation, am I going to pick Miami? Am I going to pick Chicago to demand my trade to, Oh, I want to go to the Knicks and they would have something to trade either developing a young team. You, you find a star, like you draft a guy like John Morant, which they missed by one slot, or you, take those young guys and make them really good and you can trade them. Well, under Tibbs, even though they've had success, the young guys really haven't gotten that much better. RJ Barrett has, but you look at their other draft picks and their other guys, like if player X demanded out, I don't want to say a player's name, but if player X demanded out, who was an all-star and said, trade me to New York, Damian Lillard. What would the Knicks trade? I don't know. I, I mean, like, like, but to just to use your, let's say Damian Lillard demanded a trade today. Tickets to a He's, secret Lauren Hill concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, who knows what she did with garden. that money? She, she probably asked him. She goes, Tracy, can you give me that five hundred? <laughs> and uh, who knows? Maybe she went and bought a bag. No, um, her his wife is great, but um, you know, like if Damian Lillard all of a sudden came available, let's say he said today, I want to be traded. There'd probably be seven or eight teams that could make a better offer. And, right. and that's partially because Tibbs didn't prioritize developing the young players. And so it's a it's a paradox catch twenty-two that they did well, but I don't think it was what they needed to do as a, as an organization. Ryan Archidiakino. <laughs> so Lauren Hill. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a match made. Hey, so you're saying there's a chance. Is all I heard there in the last uh, 60 seconds. So, Brian Windhorst, thank you so much, man. It was a, it was a ball me, talking to you, and uh, we'd love to have you back another time. Thanks for having me. Okay, brother. Talk to you guys. See you soon. Take care. Oh, 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 oh.